Welcome to The Run. This is episode 20. Jerry, it's a milestone episode. It's taken a while to get here, but it uh, feels good. feels good to be at uh, 2-0. Another, day, another 10 in the books. The last uh, handful of episodes since our rebirth, if you will, have been uh, well listened to, so we appreciate that. And uh, last week had a breakthrough that I discovered here in the software we're using, not to get... Uh, too nerdy here, but uh, I noticed that there was uh, an ability to post it uh, on a web-based link. So what I mean by that, Jerry, is for those who are without Spotify or Apple Podcasts, there is now another avenue, and the numbers reflect my breakthrough. So we're reaching more people. Yeah, that's uh, that is very exciting. And and when you did that, it seemed like we uh, received uh, a lot more feedback, comments, and things like that. So it must have had. Uh, it certainly must have. Uh, Hit a hit a hit a vein. You like that? Hit a vein. Hit a vein. Yeah. yeah. The run, folks, brought to you by Creative Grounds. You can find them in downtown uh, Chatham on Wellington Street. You can give the gift of cough. You can give the gift of coffee this Christmas season with a gift certificate for that hard to buy for guy or gal on your list. And uh, as we mentioned, giving the gift of coffee. Thank you to uh, Jody and the staff uh, this evening. Sociable. Yet another beverage here. And uh, you went with a cookie. You always like a little sweet with your uh, treat, right? <laughs> what did you have there? <laughs> did I catch you with a your little, mouthful? A little sweet with my treat. Yeah. A little sweet with my, what? A little treat with my sweet. No. What did you say? I said you like a little treat a little, yeah. with your coffee, I think yeah, is what I, I said. I do like to have something with the coffee, but not always. But uh, they have a, a lovely selection, so I got something. And what did you go with? Was it a... Yeah, I think it was a chocolate brownie cookie. Oh, my. Yeah. Delicious. And you can't have that, so you stay away. Yeah, that's right. So thanks again to the folks at uh, Creative Grounds. We record the run at Eastside Creative Center up above Creative Grounds. Uh, Victor... Uh, just set a mood for us here, and uh, child of the 70s you are, you said it smells like the 70s here, because we have one of those... Uh, incense. Yeah, those incense. And waiting for the, you know, we need to have a, uh, uh, what does it call it, a black light poster on the wall. Oh my. And then to get the black lights going. You've so gone full that is 70s. 70s. That is 70s. All right, so we have the incense burning here tonight. Thanks again for listening into episode 20. Uh, like, share, review, download, spread the word. We appreciate it all. A couple of uh, housekeeping items before we get really rolling here. i uh, got to get a quick little shot in here. Uh, always appreciate an invitation to get on a microphone, and I uh, want to thank Sean Wood, uh, who is the uh, principal up at MVHS, and uh, Ricky Stewart uh, for the invitation to participate in the Fall Classic. And unfortunately, COVID has wreaked havoc on the annual Fall Classic, but they had a one-game preseason showdown between the Tommies and Palamu. And it was close. And it was close. Uh, yeah. 4-3 Palamu win. And uh, thanks again to Sean and Ricky for the invitation. And it was in the the waning seconds just before we were in uh, shootout mode. So the whole schedule's changed for Memory Valley's AAA and, and uh, James and Mills AA. Well, uh, it's interesting you would bring that up. In uh, certain sports, but not in, I think, in hockey for sure. And, and this year, because of the way the province is drawn up, and uh, please, I'm not going to try and get into the NBIAA's head, but uh, because of the way things are uh, sectioned off and zoned off, uh, this particular division includes Blackville for the first time. In, yeah, that's where I was going. In in, in memory ever. Um, and I was up uh, 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 to see a game at the Tom Donovan Arena in Renews. Have you been to the arena since? No. Uh, since the did uh, you go cash infusion? Yeah, I did. Yes. Uh, and uh, the uh, Kraft Hockeyville money and the private money and uh, the fundraising effort that ensued as a result of that. Uh, when you walk in, Jerry, uh, you can see 
uh, where the money has gone, Great. And, the, and the good folks in that community have uh, bought themselves some time, which is the point of that money at the Tom Dunn Arena. Now, having said that, it's uh, still cold as hell. It's up still there. the coldest rink. That and maybe Rogersville is pretty cold. Rogersville is very cold. It's very cold, yeah, and very cold. Uh, renews. And Sunny Corner is pretty cold too. Sunny Corner's got a, a a cold rink. Yeah, but um, on the things off the top of the show where you were talking about um, uh, new uh, ways that we've been able to distribute. Uh, the podcast. Um, I don't know if it was because of that or just because uh, we hit the right people, but a number of people from away are listening and 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 uh, get a warm feeling about uh, knowing what's going on around here a little bit and, and in the province itself. Well, now I'm glad you said that. I agree with you. Um, I've heard from a couple of old friends, uh, Fred Adair. Has, Troy Way. Uh, Fred Adair has yeah. said some nice things, and uh, we appreciate that. Fred loves to hear uh, some sounds of home. And Troy Way. Now, I got a lovely note from uh, both Troy's uh, wife, Lori, and Troy himself. And tr- listen to this now. Classic uh, Miramichi-ism here, if you will. And uh, Troy, we're uh, waving at you here as you listen in on episode 20 of the run. But uh, she said he enjoys to listen on his iPad, carries it around while he's having his cup of tea. <laughs> and isn't that a typically... Miramichi thing. I don't know. Did Jamie Wood drop us a line? No, I don't. Jamie's away. Well, I've been in touch with uh, Jamie Wood. He fired us a a little tweet. Yes, he did. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. He was, uh, I don't know where Jamie is now other than abroad. I think he's south, isn't he? Uh, He was there for a while. I think he's out west now. Jamie, let us know. Yeah, no, he's out west for (laughs) sure. He's out west for sure. But anyways, he was out. I told him to do a lap for us. He was out doing a run, listening to the run, which is something something I'll never do. (laughs) If you see me out running, someone is chasing me. Pick me up. Please. I need help. Well, you're chasing a Dixie Lee dinner, maybe. Oh, no stranger to the three-banger am I. So, uh, Troy, Lori, uh, Jamie, Fred, and everyone else who's listening in uh, from abroad, uh, thanks for doing so, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can hit us on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at PQ Miramichi. Jerry's, yours is? Uh G Green Machine. At G Green Machine. At G Green Machine, right. All right. All right, so enough of the housekeeping items. Here we go with episode uh, 20. Uh, Folks, as we've come to find out, have enjoyed our stories. And if you're familiar with the way this podcast runs, sometimes we get a little specific on date and time as far as covering, say, the Timberwolves word, if it were wintertime, uh, the Chatham Senior Ironman, if it was uh, summertime and all things in between. Uh, but we went a little neutral uh, with no chat about uh, the goings-on there. And uh, story time took over uh, last week. The yellow well, coat, there was a theme, though. The yellow coat and chicken bone story <laughs> has taken off. Yeah, it was. It was very good. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyways, you have a fascinating one. We'll start with the St. John Sea Dogs one. Okay, because uh, the last show was about... Uh, restaurants, food, uh, on the road, that type of thing. And, and the things, the places we like to eat when we were away and the, and the calamities that come along with it. So uh, I was the uh, play-by-play uh, broadcaster for the Sea Dogs for their first year in 05, 06, and then went to Moncton in 06, 07. So Moncton hosts the Memorial Cup that year, 05, 06. Um, we were coming back from a long road trip, and it's a um, – you know, when, it, when a team gets put together through expansion and draft and uh, dispersal and all that, you got a lot of new people in new places and trying to get to know each other. And and uh, I, I guess I'm wandering off here because I just, uh, as I was thinking about it the other day, uh, DK David Kelly was the um, 
uh, trainer at that time, mm-hmm. equipment manager. Mm-hmm. Okay, but he was the one that was um, he was you know hands on with the kids. He was kind of the tie that binds. Exactly. Yeah. He was unbelievable at what he did and so approachable and made the kids feel so comfortable. Well, him and I and Troy Dumville and the bus driver are up. And it's probably 2.30, and we're coming back through northern uh, New Brunswick. And I think we're, we've gone past Edmonston, and we're coming down. Um, and as we uh, come up, on the, uh, up the highway, we see a vehicle pulled off to the side. I don't know if the flashers were on or anything like that. So the bus slowed down because it's the middle of the night, and there seemed to be some people around the vehicle. So as we pull up and the bus slows down, uh, a, je- a young lad steps out from behind one of the vehicles with a goalie stick in his hand and he flings it at the windshield. You know how dangerous that is, Patty, first of all? I mean, it's it's very... Sorry for laughing. I know, sorry for laughing. Very dangerous. The bus driver, of course, the windshield cracked and shattered. Didn't, didn't, it, nothing came in. All right, so I may have but missed. But it shattered. I may have missed something there. I apologize if I did. You're not at a standstill. You're still rolling. We're moving. Oh, you're moving. No, we're moving. Okay. Now, he might have slowed down a little bit. Maybe we were going to pull over. But he steps up and with two hands just flings it for no particular, in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, at the windshield of the bus that's coming down the highway at 90 kilometers an hour. Now, can I throw this at you? The irony is not lost to me that a goalie stick hit a traveling hockey team you think that was by design or just happenstance well uh, 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 goalie stick yes uh the fact it was a goalie stick is a much heavier much bulkier type of you know and it it would do much more damage than a regular hockey stick i don't know if he had his choice but uh uh mad we could not be any more mad than we were and stopped the bus turned it around and came back and he fled into the house that was at the end of a long driveway. So then we're on the phone with the police and, and all that. And uh, So this is a whole scene all of a this sudden. This is a whole scene. Okay. I mean, look at the guy endangered our lives. We had 30 people. It's not funny. It's 30 people on the bus. Well, let's, say that, let's say that stick comes through and hits the bus driver, Patty. Then what? Okay, listen. Listen. Don't be calling me out here. It's funny in the sense that there is an, and the end result that is that no one was hurt. And the kids are safe and the staff is safe. That is why I laugh. I'm sorry. All right. Go ahead. More mad we could not be. And uh, we weren't going to go chase him into this house. But we, we were tempted to go and get him and pull him out. Um, police arrive. Police go to the house. Long story short, uh, it goes, it hits the news, uh, be it uh, ATV news or whatever the case is, and goes to court. He does get drawn into court we we knew who it was got taken to court and whatever the punishment was i'm not really sure but um attempted uh, misconduct attempted misconduct maybe <laughs> but unbelievable how stupid somebody could be by doing that in, the, in a bus be it a, i don't know if he knew it was a bus or a truck or whatever to step up and throw a stick at the windshield going by at 90 kilometers an hour at 2:30 in the morning at 2:30 in the morning it is kind of foolish all, all jokes. And it would have been a Sunday night. All joking in my Monday morning. Aside, I apologize. That is awful foolish. Oh, it was, uh, it was uh, a night I would never forget. I mean, because we're just up talking all of a sudden, bang. Now, you're a diehard Seinfeld fan. That is no secret for those that know you. It's very similar to the Kramer incident when he takes fire from the golf clubs in a roundabout way. <laughs> that episode. Yeah, I guess you can say. He's taking the woods out. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, what was the context of that one? Him and Newman were running uh, recyclables across state line. Well, yes, Newman, you magnificent bastard. I think yeah. you solved it. <laughs> going to Michigan. Yeah, going to Michigan. You get five cents more. All right. Uh, so listen, let's uh, take a little sidebar here on this. So that's what? St. John came in 0506. In the same year, here's a happier story. Well, and hang, hang on here now. Just okay. for the sake of it, why don't we tell people how you ended up being the original voice of the St. John Sea Dogs? Uh, well, of course, always kept your finger on the pulse of what was happening in the, in the province with uh, broadcast opportunities. and mm, Sure. And, uh, you know, I would have to say uh, uh, the luck of the uh, uh, being able to get on the air with you for a couple of years, you compile some clips. Right. And so then those clips become what they call a demo tape. And well, we also had the technology to compile all those clips. Yes. Uh, because I was at the radio station at, exactly. uh, at that particular you point were, in time. You were a big part of it. And um, was able to tap into who the broadcaster was going to be. I mean, in regards to a radio station, it was CFBC. And yeah, legendary CFBC. Tom Young was yes. still talk of the town and, and so on. and uh, Running hot. Yes. And uh, sent my demo tape down. And the next thing I knew, the job was offered. And Jerry Green was traveling to St. John. And yep. that would be... Of course, on weekends, I'd be down there, and Scott Briggs, who wrote for the Telegraph Journal, uh, yeah, right, would put right. me up at his place, and it wasn't like I had to stay at a hotel or anything. We became good friends, and spent a lot of time in Newfoundland together, and as did Hodge and I, but... Do you remember the uh, first game? First broadcast? Yes, I do. It was against the St. John's Fog Devils. Mm-hmm. It was... Home or away? Home. Okay. And they lost. 3-2. <laughs> and did you have a... Did you script? And I, I mean, it, it's got to be right. Absolutely. So did you have a nice oh, little... Oh, the opening was scripted. I had to have that right off the top. Yes, absolutely. And just to get to know the uh, equipment again, Patty, it wasn't clips anymore. You weren't taking taking the, the end off a phone and clipping onto the receiver of the phone with a with a device that uh, had a battery in it that ran to your headphone or it ran to your microphone. And uh, 0506, Jerry, was not the most technologically savvy guy, so there would have been a... A minor margin of error there. Oh, there was a learning curve. I had to go in and get trained on the on the equipment. Right. And, uh, um, you know, and then had to get to know the coaches. And uh, Christian LaRue was the coach at that time. Was and he the original coach? Yeah. He was the original coach. Only oh. lasted one year. Right. And uh, Tipper LeBlanc was the, was the general manager. And, mm-hmm. and they all welcomed me with open arms and made my job easy-er and access to wherever I wanted to go and- you know. And in your mind's eye, can you recall? Because in my mind's eye, the Harbor Station for a hockey game is probably fifty-five to sixty-five hundred people. Did they draw well right out of the gate? Oh yeah, there was. Uh, but there's always, and I've, we've talked about this before. They were always considered themselves better than Major Junior uh, because they had the AHL there and they had a championship with the AHL there. Y- you mean the city? Yes. Yes. And that the city was, um, especially for a Sunday game, people in the city of St. John would rather stay home and watch NFL football than come to watch a major junior hockey game. Ah. That was always an underlying thing that uh, was expressed to me. So crowds were thinner on Sundays? Crowds were thinner on, th- on Sundays, absolutely. Wow. So the attendance was good through the first year. They didn't make the playoffs, but they didn't finish last. But the mm-hmm. Fog Devils made the playoffs that year. Let me see how 
good my memory is because I would have been by association watching the Sea Dogs a little bit more heavily than I probably should have just because mm-hmm. of your connection. Uh, there was an American Coughlin. Was he the original captain? Why do you remember him? Well, see, again, I, I, I think Vincent Lambert was the uh, captain. But I do remember Felix Schutz was an import from Germany. Yeah, absolutely. He was their leading scorer that year. Okay, very good. Now, are you impressed by this or what? Yeah, pretty much. Um, the big stud. Um, was uh, from Antigonish, let me think. Uh, hang on, play for the Bulldogs. First overall pick. Hang on. Grant, Alex Grant. Yeah, very good. Who was in the net? There was a stud in the net. He was a 20-year-old. The first goaltender for the St. John Sea Dogs, St. Laurent, Carl St. Laurent? No. No? Jason Churchill. Oh, Churchill. And Churchill then went on, I was researching him the other day, he and he went on San to- San Jose Sharks draft pick. Yes, but never played, uh, went home to Newfoundland and was a star in senior hockey in Newfoundland, and still is, I think. He still, he still does play a couple of number championships in, in Newfoundland at the senior league. Isn't and, it foolish that I would remember that for no yes, apparent reason whatsoever? Yes. Um, but those, yeah, those were the main guys. Those mm-hmm. were, but I mean, again, it was an expansion team, and and to get a victory away from home was something else. And of course, you know, I, I did home and away. I did home and away. Right. So don't roll your eyes when I say this, please. I don't ever remember. I'm not quite sure. I'm a hundred percent positive in this. I don't think I've ever seen a hockey game at the Harbor Station, or whatever they call it now. Even when the Flames were there? No, even when the Flames were there. I was a Moncton Hawks guy. When I was in uh, NBCC Woodstock, you'd skip into the Aiken Center every now and again for a game, uh, if you could. But I don't think I've ever seen uh, a hockey game there. I've seen Aerosmith there. I think that was one of the very first concerts. <laughs> but it, and, and listen, do you want to hear my do you want a little, little Harbor Station side note here? Sure. For Metalhead fans? You ready for this? Yes. 1999, Iron Maiden. What was the tour? The Ed Hunter tour. The Head Hunter tour. Ed, because Ed Hunter. Their character is called Ed, and they were they were pumping the tires right. on, a, on a new video game. But listen mm-hmm. to this. This is interesting. Metalheads, enjoy this little tidbit. If you didn't know it, you're hearing it. So Iron Maiden is getting back together. Their original singer Bruce Dickinson had uh, left for two albums. He's coming back, and their original guitarist Adrian Smith is also back. So now we got the original singer. And we have three guitarists, guitar players. We have drummer and Steve Harris on bass. You're really into this. Well, listen to this. They they rent Harbor Station for a couple of weeks. Let's say two weeks. I don't know that, but let's say a week or two. They rent the Harbor Station, bring all their gear in, the band flies in, and they're fleshing out their tour. They're rehearsing. To rehearse. For the tour. Really? So to presumably pay the bills and the expense of having set up shop with the whole crew and the tour... They do a one-off show at Harbor Station, and Voivod uh, from Quebec opened up, and very few people know that, but if you YouTube Iron Maiden St. John, it was the first show when the band was fully reunited, and it happened in St. John, New Brunswick. Were you there? I'm, are you kidding me? Well, how do you know that they were going to do it, and, and how did you get in? You had to buy a ticket, or did you have privileges? No, no. Uh, this is uh, no. I bought a ticket. I caught an ad. It said, "You know what? I still have it. I clipped it out of the old Telegraph Journal, and it says Iron Maiden, Ed Hunter World Tour, nineteen ninety nine, Voivod special guest, and it says only maritime appearance. And they did this one show, and I don't know, Jerry, that they played. Well, they must have played Toronto and Montreal, I suppose, but it was a whole world tour." And it started in St. John. Well, it didn't really start in St. John, but they rehearsed in St. John and fleshed things out. You can hmm. YouTube that up. That's... And, you know, the size and scale of Iron Maiden, their their set didn't quite 
all fit in because they're used to playing Air Canada centers and, you know, bigger arenas. Yeah. But anyways, a little cyber on Harbor Station. Go ahead. Sorry, I don't know you. when Harbor Station was built, but of course the Flames christened Harbor Station before anybody else did. I'm going to guess 92, 93 is because okay. I saw Aerosmith in between Christmas and New Year's in 1993. And as I recall, Jerry, the, the record may dispute this, but I think that was one of the very first shows that was ever held at Harbor Station. And they were due. I think the, the main rink uh, the, oh, was the LBR, wasn't yeah, it? That was their main rink in a city of St. John. Absolutely. They needed a facility, and a nicer facility you won't find. It is a very nice, uh, good location. Uh, 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 the layout in it is fine. Everything, parking's good, all that kind of stuff, and it's uh, it's a fine facility, but I remember in the first year again, you know, you know, even though on the ice they were a little disorganized, but even off the ice, you know, we weren't traveling a bus that had any decaling on it or anything. We were just traveling a regular old bus with regular old seats and, really? and away you went. And so nobody hum- was excited when we came into town because it was just the expansion team. Here's right. an easy touch. Right. You know. But fast forward, they have won a Memorial Cup and did huh. so. Did so relatively quickly by... Won more championships than the Moncton Wildcats and have won more Memorial Cups than the Moncton Wildcats. Now, now, hold on now. Now, the Moncton Wildcats have won... trying to think how many league championships they've won. Just two? I think St. John's won. Two that I know of. St. John's won two. Was in the final three years in a row, that 2010, 11, and 12 run. That's right. And they won it in a Memorial Cup in 11 and were in the mem- at the Memorial Cup and should have beat Shawinigan, which was hosting that year. Right. Should have won that too. But the, the at any year. rate, uh, they, they, they knew how to put a team together in St. John and, and, uh, and they seem like they're building another one now. But uh, COVID's put a kind of a little bit of a wrench in everybody's hockey. All right. So story time continues here as uh, part of this whole journey with the St. John Sea Dogs. Um, a nice little thing you started, a tradition you started with uh, your daughter. Okay, so it was 15 years ago, 2005, 2006. And so uh, Lauren would have been seven. And uh, um, as a consolation, I guess, for me being away, uh, at every rink I went to, every rink, I went to the souvenir store and I bought her a puck from that team's. I love it. And here's the best part. And so let's say if there was a certain player that I thought, oh, interesting, I should get his autograph. And I had this paint pen that would be able to write on the puck and not come off. I know what you mean. Okay. So we go to Quebec for the first time. Patrick Waugh is the head coach. Ah. Patrick Waugh, um, on a personal note, no finer gentleman you'd ever meet off you know just to talk to and and excuse me and spend time with you uh has a ample a lot of time if 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 uh so i coordinated an interview with him anyways for the first trip to this is what the saint john lonely old saint john sea dogs broadcaster coming in to see patrick waugh and the quebec rampart who are vying to win the championship that year because they do go and win it in moncton the league championship right so he has a great team right the only old lonely old broadcaster from St. John in their first year wants to have an interview. Sure, come on in. Sat down, had a long chat, pulled out the puck and said, look, this is for my daughter. Would you mind signing? Sure. Signed it away. And she still got the whole box full of pucks that I got from every rink that I went to. So every team has pucks. Obviously, it's part of the thing. Yes. And With their oh, logo on that's it. That's fascinating. Yeah. And so that was a little <laughs> something she 
<laughs> whether or not she was looking forward to me getting home, she was wait, looking forward to see what puck I was bringing with me. Right. So let's go back to Patrick Waugh because uh, on uh, you know when the cameras are rolling and the uh, the game is being played, he seems like a fiery person behind the bench. But mm-hmm. it's funny how when you see him in a relaxed atmosphere, he's just one of the fellas. Yes, fine gentlemen. I'll never forget uh, any interaction I ever had was with him. And Neil Hodge will say the same. Um, he is a very nice man. Very nice man. I just opened you a can of water. Try that out there. Uh, I went uh, quite fancy on you here tonight. <laughs> Dude, I can't even pronounce it. I know. It's really fancy. I know. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to your review here. It's not bad, eh? It's nice. It's got kind of a, I don't know, a fruity. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like mango Man- or something. Mandarin? No, it's mango. Mango. Yeah. Well, I'm a mango. I like a mango. Um, not going to lie, I stole it out of the fridge at work, so. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I feel naughty. Yeah. All right. Um, so there's a couple of other stories that we didn't get to that were non-food related uh, from times on the road, but a very much a challenging time in that first year with St. John with with uh, a team getting off the ground and uh, trying to figure out how everything works. Well, as you referenced, non-food related and challenge, uh, let the record reflect that uh, in our last uh, podcast, number 19, we referenced the great trivia showdown between Green and I and uh, Sean Wood and Jamie Henderson. And that has reared its head yet again for the fifth time since... Oh, what? Two, three, four, somewhere along that corridor. Right, yes. So we have agreed that in the new year we'll get through the Christmas season here with our families and friends, and we agreed that uh, there will be a settling match of Trivial Pursuit between the podcasters and the principals as we're billing it. Okay, so if they beat us then, then, we then we'll be 1-1, one, one, won't it? Don't open up that can of worms. And I don't know how we're going to do it. Are we Are going to sit around in a table of four? Are we going to go to two semifinals and then a final? Or, or what? But uh, the logistics are to be worked out. Yes. Uh, but we are going to settle this score uh, once and for all. Now, in communication with uh, Sean Wood, as, uh, of course, he was the one that picked up on that, he said, uh, you got to tell the story about uh, the night in Yarmouth where we ended up in. Uh, well, we were going to, and I think that's a story you need to weave. All right, so as best I can recall here, and fill in my blanks here, um, it's it's so when we go to Yarmouth, or <laughs> you know what, when I say we go to Yarmouth, uh, that's past tense because they don't do this now, um, because there's other teams in the uh, that corridor where you can go down and knock off a couple of games mm-hmm. uh, versus other teams, um, but in those days, uh, there's no valley, there's no South Shore. No. Um, so it's just a, a barren MHL highway uh, from the city down to Yarmouth, and from Miramichi to Yarmouth is a hellacious drive. Um, you go down for two games, usually a Saturday and a Sunday afternoon, as mm-hmm. best I can recall. Mm-hmm. You're right. And this one was around the Christmas season, because I remember uh, the only reason I'm saying that is because on the way back, I remember stopping into the airport. Yes. And we dropped off. Exactly. And, uh, and I loved all three of them. Uh, we dropped off Stephen Hines. He was flying back to Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. Ryan Weechie, who was flying back to northern Quebec. And uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Leger, was heading back to, I believe, the Ottawa area along the Ottawa Valley. And <laughs> So Weechie played when Leger was? Well, I know Leger played. Sure, Weechie was there. Yeah, we, Weechie was one of the guys okay. I dropped off at the airport right. for sure. Because I remember, oh, yeah, she had to drop them. Yeah, I, I walked in with them and right. uh, settled them into the hotel. Yes, yeah, so I was snoozing right Yeah, handled right. all that stuff. Yes. So. All right, so that's how we're, we're painting a real picture here. And uh, do you remember who scored the overtime goal on the way home? Or not on the way home, that sent us back with a, a, a rare win in those days? 
Uh, now, uh, you're challenging me, but I think... <sighs> Don't get it wrong, because he'll be pissed. A local? Yep. Brad Hamilton? Darren Hardy. Darren, Darren Hardy. Yeah, he scored the winner of that game. Right. Hammer was there. Yes. Because Hammer and Hardy uh, played part of this because they were enjoying the show that ensued on the bus on the way home. Okay. Right. So this is the night before the Hardy overtime winner. We have a Saturday evening game. Right. Probably a 7 o'clock start. Sure. Uh, we're downtown Yarmouth. We know we have to stay the night. Uh, at that time, we set up shop at the Best Western, as you'll recall. First time we went down there, we stayed at the Rod Grand River. Wasn't there a Halloween party one night? Oh, yeah, that's right, too. That was at the Rod that time. Tell tell the Wood story, the story that uh, he referenced. Yeah, so I don't know. After the game, I I assume we go for a bite to eat. I don't don't know. But we ended up downtown, long story short, and we're at a club, pub, tavern, whatever it was. Seems to me it was at a hotel. It was raining. It was raining like a son of a gun. So we're talking like December 20th, 21st, 22nd along that corridor, and we're used to snow up here. I've never seen rain like that in my life. It is torrential downpour. We come out of the club. We're having a few cocktails. There is beers involved. And in the grand scale of things, uh, four lads uh, standing on the side of the road in Miramichi Timberwolves courts, uh, coats didn't elicit much of a response from the local cab guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no Leos, there's no David Foreign, there's no Gormans. Uh, we're out of our element, and the whole world is passing us by, and Wood goes, I, I, we're not walking. We're not walking. No, there was no way. Well, two things. It was raining too hard, and yeah. I'm not so sure we knew where we were going yeah. to get back to the hotel. Wood goes, I'm going to go handle this. Walks across the street and befriends an RCMP <laughs> officer. Right. So we're standing here on the side of the road on the curb going, Jesus, look at him over there, you know, and he's giving him the song and dance, and God knows what he's saying. And then all of a sudden he looks at us like, get over here, get over here. And we're like, oh, my God, he came through. So so there's four of us. There's four of us. Wood takes the front seat in the police car. Right. And then you, Henderson, and I jam ourselves into the back. And as Literally. I re- yeah. As I recall, the big man I am, I end up in the middle. Yes. Somehow. With a fat lad in the middle, and I, Henderson was to my right, and you were to my left. <laughs> and he's going to give us a ride. He's going to give us a ride, and then all of a sudden he says something to the effect, um, it's hard to believe some of the local guys have been giving you a, a hard time downtown. Because unbeknownst to us, Wood has given the guy the story that uh, there's a little brew right. ha and uh, you know, we're from out of town. <laughs> yes, that's right. And then all of a sudden he said, who's the guy that's uh, giving you the hard time? And as if on cue... <laughs> And again, may he rest. Uh, Danny Savage opens the door for the club, and Wood goes, "That's him right there." The cop just goes, Wrong! and off we go. And we get that's him. Yeah, that's him. We make it back to the hotel, and about I don't know, we're playing cards by this time, having a few more beers. And then what? Would it be an hour, forty-five minutes? Be. Yeah, yeah. All of us in the door flies open. Flies open. It's like it's like uh, Cape Fear or something. Cape- and there he is in the water. I can still see the water dripping out of his beard, and his coat is a sponge, and oh, my God. You know, and it's interesting. Are you going to say his classic line, or are we going to leave that out? Oh, we'll leave that one out. Okay. Yeah, that's... <laughs> but it was a classic. It was a classic. <laughs> Absolutely. We can't repeat that. But, you know, it's interesting uh, that we sit here and wax ourselves. Again, you know, Danny has since passed, and uh, you referenced uh, a couple of guys at St. John. Man, the years suck as you get older. Uh, you know, DK is gone now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you referenced uh, Tom Young, uh, you know, a CFPC, yeah. uh, and then subsequently the Rogers Station down in St. John, a radio legend. He's gone. And it's interesting, eh, how time does suck. Stops for no one. 
Yeah, and uh, you think uh, 15 years isn't very long. It is. It can be a long time when you start ticking off uh, uh, the people you knew and, and, uh, and appreciated back then that, that aren't around anymore. And that brings us to the year that is 2020. And we have reflected on this in our own neutral corners in preparation for this. And, you know, when you, when you Google up, and I would challenge you folks listening in to do this because, uh, not to suggest that anyone forgets, but you do forget some little tidbits. Just Google up 2020, and here we are stuck in coronavirus, COVID-19, call it what you want, and it's kind of throwing a wrench into the whole year, and uh, we've been so hyper-focused on that and what to do and what not to do and, uh, you know, stuff being closed and travel restrictions and all that. It's easy to have overlooked uh, some of the stuff that happened in the year 2020. So just Google up 2020, and just you'll see some of the events, and you go, Jesus, that was this year? Uh, for instance, uh, in preparation for this chit-chat, well, the first one that struck me, and those pictures are going to become a thing of legend as uh, the years go on, that, that hellacious snowstorm that shut down mm-hmm. Newfoundland, and specifically uh, St. John's, of course, which would be the most populated area of uh, the uh, province of Newfoundland and Labrador. Those pictures of those, those iconic pictures of, of those colorful houses and the narrow streets and the snow. And that was this year. It just blocked the city mm-hmm. down, and I believe they called in the military there for... Uh, some assistance when I'm when I'm googling it up in preparation for this conversation. You're like, man, that happened in uh, 2020, and that was early. Of course, it would have been winter, uh, hence the snow. But uh, other things that uh, come to your mind uh, off the top of your head. Well, the first thing was the waking up that Sunday morning. That horrific news about uh, somebody imitating a cop down in Nova Scotia, and uh, and ended up being the worst masked. Uh, mass casualty or mass murder in in the history of Canada. That mm-hmm. that was in early April, Patty, and and that was you know here we were, um, you know, uh, abiding by uh, the the to keeping away from work and from people and and being confined in your house and to have to sit and listen and and on Twitter and wherever else you would have saw it the the news roll in and how the numbers got bigger and bigger and how the circumstances were that these numbers came about was just the worst time ever and um you know what uh, i lived in nova scotia for 4 years um and i'm almost embarrassed to admit this but you know when you see it on twitter and it says uh you know uh, active gunman or whatever the term they use and again, this is early stages. We didn't know how active uh, said gunman was, and uh, let's not say his name. Um, Porta Pick, in Porta Pick, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Jeez, where's that?" Yeah. As much as I hate to say that, mm. you get on the old Google Maps and go, oh, "Okay, well, it's, it's a in, quaint little cottage area, isn't yeah, it?" Yeah, absolutely, in Truro area, Colchester County, Bait of Inn. Yeah, right, you know. something like that. Yeah, and uh, 22 was the uh, the end result of that. 22, and then of course. Uh, the perpetrator, if that should be the term, was uh, taken out, but uh, we won't worry about him. Uh, so those, I mean, that's that's April, and I mean, those are the the, the events of the of the year um, are dominated by the the daily news about the COVID virus, and of course, then we had to st- <laughs> we had to <laughs> battle through a presidential election down in the states that still goes on, and that dominated a lot of the news too. Well, look at uh, for Nova Scotia here, and uh, you know, good neighbors to the province of New Brunswick are uh, Nova Scotia and Nova Scotians. Um, you know, first the first curveball of the year. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, one of the first major curveballs of the year was uh, you know the the shutdowns and COVID and all that, mm-hmm. and then that, and then of course 
the uh, lady who flew with the snowbirds was a Nova Scotian too. Yes, and that they was all, the other one. And they all yeah. happened fairly yes. fairly compressed timeline, and you're like, right. how much more can these folks handle? And what a great idea by the snowbirds to, um, you know, uh, give a shot in your arm to see them fly over. I mean, what a big event it was here, and everybody wanted to see it and couldn't wait to see it. Yes. And that they were going to every community and doing that was, was such a great idea. Mm-hmm. And for it to then have to come to a stop because of the tragic uh, occurrences was was another event of the year that she says, ah, oh, friggin' 2020. Yeah. The, the, the other takeaway from uh, the Nova Scotia shootings uh, for me, um, I just thought it was... Did you know I was going to bring that up? I never said I was going to bring that no, up, but it's, no. it's I, a huge part of the news in the year. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the record will reflect uh, that as being one of the major stories, not only in Atlantic Canada, Nova Scotia, Canada, if not the world. Like yeah. it, was, it was a big one. Um, the other takeaway from that for me was, uh, and it was so subtle, and it was so well done, and so classy i guess would be the word and i have had the pleasure of being in natalie mcmaster's company many times over the years both from living in cape breton and uh noodling around the radio world Uh, that video that she did with her daughter where they included one of the victims emily tuck was the victim's name uh doing a tune and it started uh with the young girl doing her thing and then they bring natalie in and her daughter on the keys Yeah, that was amazing and then on the other side of the video they fade natalie's daughter out they fade natalie out and then uh the young tuck girl ends it and uh geez i'm getting chills just as i reference it but it just seemed like uh, i don't know it just seemed like the perfect hmm, the perfect little video nugget for us to just kind of hang our hats on and kind of close that file if that makes any sense you know what i mean no i do know what you mean and it was very subtle and it was just so uh well done and and the beautiful part of it is is that natalie let uh, the young girl be the star of uh, said video now, the flood in Fort McMurray also happened in uh, 2022. Here we are referencing Troy Way out in that neck of the woods. Uh, you know, um, <clears throat> we all know someone who lives there or works there and travels back and forth. Uh, my sister and her husband happen to live there. But, uh, you know, when the flood starts in Fort McMurray, and this is a couple years on from the great fires out there, you're like initially, holy cow, how much can that town handle? And in, in our mind's eye, I've never been, have you? To Fort McMurray? Yeah. No, never. You know, in our mind's eye, it's this, you know, oil hub, bustling center, and they're just getting rampaged uh, by floodwaters that shut down uh, portions of the town, and you're going, oh, my God, here they go uh, again. The other one that sticks out for me, too, and uh, I don't want to get off on a political uh, tirade here, but the election in September struck me as odd in the sense that we go to the polls during a global pandemic you with me on this one yes it just seemed odd because here's we voted against vaccinations earlier in the year as you'll recall remember that whole hullabaloo yes so we vote against that and then we managed to coordinate a election during the pandemic which i don't know it is what it is uh, there's been no great widespread ramifications because of having it so someone knew something that we you and i don't know but outwardly you're like oh my gosh we're going to the polls uh, in a pandemic. It went off without a hitch, and the rest of the country noticed. And, and it did, and it did go off without a hitch, and people did notice, but the irony was not lost to me in the sense that the same people who were telling us to do this, this, and this, and don't do this, this, and this, went against the their own grain. But again, everything worked out well. What else is on your list? On my list? Well, I... I uh, less about events, more about people. All right, so we're on to the people. Okay. Well, sure. Very good. We're going local or? Uh... I think we should do local first. Okay, very good. You know, rather than, 
everybody knows about, uh, you know, uh, celebrities or well-known people in the world that have uh, that have passed in the last year. And we'll touch on some of them because I do have stories on a couple of them that that uh, highlight for me. Um, but I guess the um, the first one that kind of uh, hit home for me was because um, uh, my daughter worked at the golf club and worked with this man very closely. Now, I know this man long before my daughter knew him, um, but there was times when I'd go to the golf club and both of them were working, uh-huh. and she'd bring out sides of him that I'd never saw before. You know, um, uh, I always felt Mike Rudder was a very serious man. I've never... Um, I've never had him, you know, joking around or anything like that. He's, mm. he's, a, he's by, these are the rules and, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we do. He was a teacher by right. trade. Sure. But uh, when and, I was at the golf club. And, and, and a coach and there's rules yes. there. And yeah, very An good. organizer right. to the ump degree. Very good at it. Um, and I saw a side of him that my daughter brought out of him uh, when they were around each other. And uh, I thought that's another side of Mike Rudder. I did not see. Mm-hmm. And the reason it hit it home for me, because it, besides my father passing away, this person to Lauren Green was very close. Oh, that's interesting. And it really bothered her. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's why he's the first on my list. Not only that, but because of the, of the man he was and the, and the volunteer he was, the teacher he was, um, I always said him and he and John Lorden and Marvin McCarthy are up there organizing something and are sure. also looking for a fourth for their team, for their, <laughs> for their, for their, golf, for yeah. their golf team. But uh, way back, it, I believe this to be true, uh, Marvin McCarthy and Mike Rudder were the keys of putting the Salmon Tournament on the board. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, mm-hmm. Weren't they the original organizers? Oh, I would say Flieger, O'Hara... Uh, Rudder, all those guys, yeah. absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, they were part of it. Yes, is what I'm saying. Paul, Marvin, McC- Paul McLean, Paul McLean, been, sure, they that, that whole crew, absolutely, yeah, that whole crew. And, and then, of course, we're forgetting some from the other side because it was very much uh, on both sides of the river that salmon tournament back in the the big days there, right? When it first started. Um, but no, that's an interesting one. Now, if I may speak uh, really briefly on that, I did have Mr. Rudder, Mike. Oh, Jerry, my mind. I'm going to say in grade nine-ish, before he jumped to James M. Hill, this would have been Dr. Logier, junior high in those days, middle school now, and great teacher, um, super smart, knew his math inside and out. Um, 1991, Patty, really didn't care about mathematics. <laughs> 2020, Patty. I don't know if he does still. <laughs> Might not s- still care about uh, mathematics, but uh, every now and again, I'd get a little... Out of line, flapping my gums. I know you'd be shocked to hear that, be it in the class or in the hall. And uh, Rudder would give you a little tightener. Uh, folks would be uh, giggling as I say this. He always was one to carry around his meter stick. And mm-hmm. uh, by times, you would get a little Lovely. jab. you get a little jab yes, in the ribs. Sir. Go, Quinn, shut up and carry on. You'd be like, okay, Mr. Rudder. respect that. Yeah, very. Oh, absolutely. Respect it. Absolutely. Um, but I do remember one time. The class was getting a little off the rails, and uh, he hauled me aside one time in the hallway, and uh, he wanted to make a point with the class. Are you with me on this? Mm-hmm. He wanted to make a point with the class, and he hauled me aside and said, listen, I'm going to give it to you here, and you just take her, and uh, we'll get things back on the rails. And I'm like, all right. I, I knew what he meant, and uh, broad shoulders I have. And uh, I was the poster boy for the uh, lunacy of the classroom, and we got things back on track. And uh, at the end of it, uh, you know, you see him at the rink on the weekend or the ball field. I forget what time of year it was. And he, you know, gives you the thanks yeah. for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but a fine man that died suddenly in, in September, and we do, uh, we do miss him now. And, and uh, 
he was doing what he loved. He was away on a golf trip, and and, uh, right. and circumstances took him suddenly. Uh, one for me, I don't, I'm sure it's on your list as well, our uh, brother-in-arms up at Ironman Field, uh, Donald Clancy, mm-hmm. and uh, prior to your arrival there um, and uh, joining in on the crew, uh, Paul was a stalwart at Ironman Field, so I got to know Paul uh, both through Donald and uh, largely through Ironman Field. Oh, Jerry, I remember going to Paul's funeral. It was snap and cold that day. I want to say February. Or... Uh, I have February marked down. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems it like February. it was February. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Donald, if you're listening in, uh, we're certainly waving at you. And uh, Paul was uh, one of the good guys, uh, super generous, uh, just an all-around good guy. And uh, uh, he is missed, of course. And uh, that was a tough one for our friend Donald. I remember going down to the church basement, and uh, Pyle Riley sang a song that day, as you'll recall, from the funeral service mm-hmm. when I were there together. Mm-hmm. And I had said to Donald, you know, just uh, you know, shaking his hand as you are wont to do when you're in the, the reception after the funeral, and just uh, letting him know that uh, you know you're thinking of him and uh, anything we could do and all that stuff. And I said, "Hey, Pie was great." And <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because we're in the church basement after his brother's funeral. He goes, there's Pi here? And I said, no, no, Pi O'Reilly's singing. <laughs> that sounds like Donald. Yeah, he went right away. Yeah. He says, there's Pi here? <laughs> How come I didn't get a piece? And I said, no, no, a different kind of pie. Um, but, uh, yeah, Paul, that was February, eh? Yeah. My gosh. And, and uh, in the same month, uh, from a political uh, uh, point of view, uh, Charlie Hubbard died suddenly in February, too. Do you remember was that, that February? Yes, that was February. Wow. No. Yeah, so all former, of a sudden, you know, as they say, we're here day to day. Charlie was out and yeah. doing what he likes in 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 the in the in the farm in or the, in the in the barn in the barn. Yeah, and just suddenly, you know, life takes him. Yeah, longtime uh, educator uh, before uh, joining yes, the uh, politi- right. political world, and then went on to be. Did you ever? Attend a school that he was he was no, principal, wasn't he? He was over in MVHS. Oh, he was. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. 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 And. Um, after that, of course, a longtime uh, serving member of uh, uh, member of parliament uh, up in yes. Ottawa on behalf of uh, Mayor Machine. And what do you know of Joe Breen? Joe Breen oh, Joe, not only was yeah. a good ball player, but uh, you Google um, Canadian hockey players that die in 2020, and Joe Breen's on that list. Because, and I talked to Jack Upham about this, my father-in-law, and he said Joe would have been. In the in the early '60s, was a star with uh, the Tommies, St. Thomas, St. Thomas. Thomas. Yes, wow. yeah, interesting. So he's listed there. Yeah, and again, uh, Joe, uh, certainly uh, one of the good guys. Uh, you're talking '60s hockey. That's certainly before uh, my yes. time and yours as well. Um, you know, my connection to Joe was just being around the rink, being around the ball field. Yeah. Uh, uh, he was a huge attendee and supporter of uh, the Irish Festival, and uh, he. Uh, I remember him saying kind things to uh, myself and our committee for. Yeah, kind of re-energizing and revamping things after we moved downtown, so I always appreciated that. And, of course, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and uh, Jack would be connected here as well, a long-serving member of the board there for the uh, Miramichi Wall of Fame. Sports Wall of Fame. Absolutely, yes. Yes. Um, I do have a local list. Do you have some locals you want to mention? Uh, You know what? I hesitated on the uh, locals for fear I would uh, miss someone, but keep going. I know. No, no, I know, but keep going. Now, this fellow, um, I think a lot of people knew him, he wasn't a native Miramichir, but uh, the time that he spent here oh, yes. uh, was a uh, was a bigger than life mm-hmm. type of fellow, Bob mm-hmm. Warner. Everyone's got a good Bob Warner story. Bob Warner, he was sixty nine years old. He passed in June mm-hmm. uh, down in Nova Scotia after a long illness. But um, uh, a bigger character you could not find right. when he came in a room. Um, it wasn't the, the loud. He wasn't loud. He was just 
jolly. He is, yeah. His face, his personality, his his attitude was just infectious. I mean, he was just a nice guy to be around. And he was, at the time, he was the Moosehead rep and was involved <laughs> with, well, he was. He'd be super popular well, around here. Well, that's what brought him here. Absolutely, I get it. And set up, you know, set up residence here and stayed here for a number of years. I don't know how many, but certainly dominant during the 80s and 90s. And... Um, uh, always a nice fellow to talk to, always knew your name, always had uh, time to talk, and, uh, and was all over the sports world. In, uh, and especially, you know, thinking of, of softball, he loved, he loved the Nelson boys. And, uh, of course, he was behind the Packers and all that other stuff that went on um, in the world of sports in, in Miramichi. But a nice gentleman indeed. And I think we made reference of this perhaps last time, uh, the first year of the Timberwolves. He was uh, back in Nova Scotia. Um, I shouldn't say back in Nova Scotia. In Nova Scotia, and he was uh, the assistant coach of uh, Dartmouth right. Blizzard Yes, when they came into town. And I remember their, their first trip here. It was like, oh, Bob's back. Ten games in the NHL. Just uh, Yes, he did, playing yeah. in the NHL. He absolutely did with the Toronto Maple Leafs. 1976-77, one goal, one assist for two points in ten games with four penalty minutes. In the Hall of Fame at uh, St. Mary's. He was a big university star. I'm looking at those numbers now, yes. and uh, wow, absolutely. Wall of Fame or Hall of Fame in, in St. Mary's. And, and there was, when he passed, there was a lot of, of, uh, of uh, um, news releases, press releases, whatever you want to call them, out of St. Mary's about their, their sadness and hearing the news. It seems to me growing up, uh, Mark w- was his son. And, yes. Uh, just a, a year or two uh, older than I, but I remember certainly remember. I remember him playing Mark. for the Gloucester Kings for some reason. Mark Warner. I think you're wow. And got, Jamie Henderson. Yeah, would they have been the same age? I would figure you're 100 percent correct. Yeah, in I that. think so. Ian Underhill, perhaps. And too. we wanted to get them here for the Rivermen, or, or, or the Rivermen were coming along, or whatever was the case was. But I remember that the two good Miramichi players were playing up in Gloucester. Wow. Well, Bathurst, Gloucester Kings, the Gloucester County Kings. Yeah, that's a fascinating memory. <laughs> you hauled that. I one don't know a, why I remember that. I know you hauled that. Out. Well, it's me like re- me remembering some of the players in that Sea Dogs. It's just yeah. it's in your head. My but Bob God. was a was a fine man. I know he's not a native Miramichiere, but uh, it was in was adopted. I guess so refreshing me there uh pardon me for uh forgetting uh, when was that in june june died okay. at, he was 69 years old very good keep going uh the other one is again sports oriented and a fellow that uh was prominent in a lot of things uh rocky blackmore i don't know if you ever met rocky blackmore but I rocky did. after a long illness uh, or battling uh i'm not going to say what but i know he had he was he was battling I'm not, I, if I'm not sure, I'm not going to say, but uh, had a long illness mm-hmm. and uh, still enjoyed golf and still played golf mm-hmm. and was a prominent member of the Miramichi Golf and Country Club. Yes. He loved to run. He, he, he got the river runners going and oh. they still do have a memorial right. five kilometer race for him every New Year's. Right. And of course, when it came to, and Newman would know this, or maybe he wouldn't, but anybody that was around the Workman's League, Rocky Blackmore was right in the middle of the Workman's League, oh, loved to play hockey too. Is that so? And a fine gentleman. And one of the guys, this is a funny story about Rocky. Um, when I came here in the 80s, uh, along with Ken McBride, him and I ran men's night. Every Wednesday night, you came out and had a meal and played golf, okay? Well attended. Over 100 guys would come on a Wednesday night to play golf and have a nice meal with George. Uh, um, George Sobey was the uh, was the chef at the Miramichi Golf and Country Club. Made the best pies, best best buns ever, and great meal that Just people look forward to. Let, let me jump in here, not interrupt your story. This is what mid nineties. 
Uh, this would be uh, late 80s, early 90s. All right. Very let's good. Say. We would have to turn down so many uh, sponsors that wanted to be part of Men's Night because it was sold out. You had a captive audience. And uh, most of the guys back then um, I worked at the mill. There was a lot of members at the golf and country club that were also worked at the mill. So they'd shift work and played a lot of golf. Mm-hmm. And you had teachers and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. I, where I'm going with this is every night, of course, we'd have draws. And it always seemed, at least every other week, Rocky Blackmore would win something. With- Not based on his score, right. just by pulling his name out of a draw. Wow. And he said, I've always been lucky. <laughs> he, he said, this happens to me all the time. I win stuff all the time. But it, that was a funny story about him that we always laughed about. I certainly did not know him near as well as you did. Um, but uh, my only connection to Rocky, best I can recall, Jerry, I'm going to go back to the old 790 CFAN days or perhaps the onset of... 99.3 The River after they made the uh, switch over. Uh, it seemed to me, and maybe it was River Runners, or maybe it was a, a charity that uh, Rocky was um, supporting, uh, but it seems to me he was always into the radio station uh, with uh, the latest update or the announcement or looking for a plug, whether it was for you know a dinner or a dance or a, a, a selling tickets on something, but he, he was, I, I can remember him uh, coming into the radio station by time and, uh, you know, like you say, easygoing and always had a quick chat about uh, the goings on. And he passed away in May, Patty, and not a finer uh, funeral announcement. Well, it wasn't a funeral announcement because you couldn't have a funeral. Mm-hmm. Not a finer, and I guess it must have been, it was a eulogy uh. that was released as an announcement. Mm. And anything you'd ever want to know about Rocky Blackmore was in that eulogy. And it was a long piece, and it was the start of when people would, if we weren't having visitation and we weren't having funerals, that part of the announcement really became a little bit of a eulogy. And his was, I, I don't know if, if his wife Nancy wrote it or if his daughter or whoever, uh, but it was beautiful. It was, a, it was the best, best funeral uh, eulogy I've read because usually you sit and listen to a eulogy. But yeah. anyways, this was a fine one. And as you say that, uh, uh, it's a tough one too to, yes. to take the time to write that given the gravity of the moment that you're going through with your family and but friends. That was the pain of, of uh, 2020 when it came to not being able to, and I'll reflect on a personal note on a, a friend of mine uh, from the cottage, and we called him the mayor of Beta Vin. Oh, I know exactly. Uh, mayor of Williston Beach Road mm-hmm. was uh, Ronnie Way, and yeah. a lot of people know Ronnie Way. He was a gem. And Ronnie was sick in uh, March and April. Mm-hmm. You could not visit him. You could uh. not go over and condole and console his wife, Donna, mm-hmm. you couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And that was very, very difficult. And I know I'm not the only one. There would have been a number of people that were in that same situation. That was one of the most horrible. Well, no, it was a horrible thing that, that, uh, that had to, that we could not um, uh, acknowledge uh, a friend passing the way we were accustomed to. Yeah, another couple of uh, quick ones here, too. Uh, just uh, relatively recently, as we sit here uh, in uh, late November, uh, Willie Sutton uh, passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, Willie, no stranger to uh, folks at uh, the rinks and ball fields of uh, Chatham and, of course, uh, the fellows and gals he worked with at Emmy Power over the years. Uh, good friend of my father and family, so uh, that was a tough one. And uh, Iggy Savoy comes to mind as well, too. Yes. Uh, saw a lot of ball games. How many times have you uh, walked by... Uh, Mr. Savoy uh, at Ironman Field along the, the, the backstop and the benches. And uh, it's, you know, it's, again, time sucks. Uh, and you, you don't realize how big of a part of 
an outing they are, and all these people just uh, a chit chat here, be it at a, a sporting event, a, an event in general, or the street corner, um, it's not happening again. And I don't know if you're you ever cross paths with a fine gentleman named Sandy McGregor. Yeah. Oh, yes. Now I don't know if Sandy was. Uh, Sports oriented. I know he liked golf, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he was involved in the sporting community, but he's certainly involved with the business community yeah. and a finer gentleman with a fine sense of humor and a uh, beautiful way about him. He passed away in October. Yeah, Sandy was uh, one of the good guys. I remember Sandy uh, taking in a lot of uh, Timberwolves games yes. over the years with Absolutely. Uh, Reg Flynn and uh, yeah. um, I'm trying to think of the other guys that are in that section. Tommy Gorman would be around that corridor. Uh, but yeah, great guy. Great guy. I shocked you with the news that uh, Doug Jardine had passed away. Yeah. And I, Doug was a fine gentleman I, who ran Adam's, or owned or run, owned Adam's funeral yeah, home. Yeah, I kind of missed that one. Yeah, it was, uh, and I didn't even know, you know, he didn't know he was he was uh, sick. Roley Taylor passed away. Roley was, everybody, well, the Irving out at the, at the base was always called Roley Taylor's. Yeah. That's where you went. That was, you know, that's, uh, he may, he put that on the map. Yeah, and then after that know. where... Uh, where the shell is now, that was that was his after the Irving yes. years. Yeah, I forget the name of that. Let's call it Taylor's, I suppose. Yeah. So just fellows like that. And another fellow that, that uh, I don't know if you knew, uh, Gary Blackmore, but Gary was a fine man. He ran oh, the man. shop down on, on, the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the Water Street. Listen, uh, if I may take the lead on that. Sure, uh, love you too. Gary and his wife and the family in general and his employees at the business. Over the years, uh, since uh, Canada's Irish all Festival... All decked out. All right, decked out, thank right. you. Uh, since Canada's Irish Festival in the Miramichi moved downtown, and uh, prior to that, but my connection comes in since we moved downtown in 2014, I can't tell you the number of times that uh, Gary and uh, Joan uh, saved the day for me and bailed my arse out of whatever situation I was in, and you could call the man on a Wednesday and tell him you need 100 t-shirts uh, by Saturday, and uh, somehow, some way, he'd always... Uh, get it done, and uh, holy smokes, the number of times I've called in favors to him would scare you over the years, but uh, never said no, Jerry, and always made it happen somehow, uh, some way, so that uh, was not lost on me. From a um, non-Miramichi connection, but I think a lot of people in Miramichi know of him, and with his time as the head coach of the uh, Fredericton Canadians at times, that came over and took on Nevin and the Riverman, Danny Grant passed away now this is a year ago now patty he passed away in november of last year mm-hmm. but uh, i wanted to regale a story of of uh danny grant and um and danny again when i was in the radio business and covering uh the rivermen in the in that whole league uh danny was always a cordial nice gentleman and when i got a job over at um cfnb cfnb in fredericton yes legendary cfnb um they want me to go to Montreal uh, to cover the Fredericton Canadians, Frederick Montreal, Montreal Canadian training camp. So it would be Fredericton Canadians. Fredericton Canadians were in Fredericton at that time. Mm-hmm. So And CFNB was the carrier of their games, mm-hmm. of which I was trying to get in line for. Mm-hmm. That's a long story. So they sent me <laughs> and Bruce Hallahan. And I didn't know Bruce that well, but yeah, of course I knew he was at Miramichir, and, sure. and there was so there was a sl- uh, familiarity there, but uh, didn't know Bruce that well. A Riverside driver, if yeah, I may say so. Exactly. So they send us on he, a plane. He had the best, and probably still does. I'm talking past tense. Maybe he has, but uh, he had the best record collection you'd ever want to see. 
Who, Bruce? Oh, my God. Is that right? Oh, alphabetized. You haven't seen mine, then. Alphabetized, uh, yes. the sleeves. I'm oh, talking, my, I'm talking vinyl plastic. here. Mine are in plastic. Oh, I've never... Uh, you haven't seen mine. No, I haven't. No. Anyways, a little But anyways, there. a fine man he is and still a, a prominent writer over in Fredericton and uh, puts out terrific uh, pieces every week and does great work. So we get on a plane and it seems like they assign Danny Grant to take care of us. So not take care of us, but kind of chaperone us. <laughs> we should have been chaperoning him. Yeah. Because he's a bad he's a he's a nice man, loves to have fun, took us out on the town, took us to for a feed at the Barbecue place there? Barbie Barn. The Barbie Barn, yeah. <laughs> that was the first stop on our night. What you hammer into you there? <laughs> I, of course I'm eating ribs, whatever I'm having. Thank you very much. But um, we spent a lot of time with him that weekend. We were there for three days and took in uh, the Canadians training camp. Jacques Demers. Jacques Demers was the head coach then. A young Bruce Hollihan. Yeah. A young Jerry Green. (laughs) Yeah. Or in downtown Montreal with Danny Grant. Legendary Danny Grant in Montreal. Of course, he he was. He's the chef de mission on this adventure. uh, He, yeah, he, because from Fredericton, he traveled with us, took care of us. All that sort of thing, and I'll never forget that. And what a nice gentleman he was, and uh, and he passed about a year ago. And so there was some kind of Miramichi connection there from a New Brunswick point of view. So what's the connect- when you say legendary Montreal guy? I'm looking at him here. I'm looking at his numbers. Uh, Danny Grant, that is 736 career games in the NHL, 536 points, which is unreal. Yes, but he was. But hang on here. Only 23 of those games were with the Canadians. Right. He was, a, but still a. Um, I think still renowned as a he was the, a high draft pick for them, and then got traded to Minnesota, of you. which then that was the expansion. Uh, he was rookie of the year there, the very next year in Minnesota. Yes, Calder wow. Cup uh, or Calder uh, Trophy winner as rookie of the year. Do you see his first year in Minnesota? Minnesota, 1968, 69, 65 points in 75 games. How's she going? 34 goals. Yes, sir. How That's a doing? rookie. Yeah. As you say, he only played 23 games in Montreal the year before, but mm-hmm. drafted by Montreal. And does it show the trade? Is there a, sh- a trade? Uh, are you on uh, Hockey DB? Yeah, now you're putting me on the spot. Isn't there a show trades up in the top? Oh, is there really? Yes. Am I, have you just ruined the next week of my life? Oh, my God, it does say show trades. Yes, so see what the trade was in 67. Oh, my, you've ruined it. Traded from Montreal with Claude LaRose to the Minnesota North Stars for future considerations, which ended up being a first-round pick in 1972. Yes, who was? Dave Gardner. Dave Gardner? And Cash, it says I thought here. it might have been LaFleur. <laughs> no, it says Dave Gardner and Cash. Oh, my. Minnesota got off good there. Holy shit, Jerry, you've just ruined my life. I never noticed that tab before. You never noticed the no. show trades? No, I'm in trouble now. Oh, my. Gonna... And, folks, if you've never been, if you're a hockey fan, have never been on HockeyDB.com. Dot com. It's HockeyDatabase.com. It is a great website. Even if you go there and get their morning report, is a, I got you on that, too, their morning report. I know. Um, but if you want to search anybody, that's where you'll find them. And you'll see Timberwolves on there. Montreal Canadiens, Minnesota North Stars, and then two other teams. Could you name them? Danny Grant. Detroit. Correct. His best year statistically was in Detroit with 87 points in 80 games in 1974. How many goals did he have? 74-75. 50. No, no. Overall. Oh, total. He had 50 that year. Uh, 263. 263. So uh, the other team he played for, was it late in his career? Uh, Yep. 77, 78, 78, and 79. 
Minnesota, Detroit, and Danny Grant. Ah, As I'd a, be guessing California Golden Seals. Well, you're not too far off. It was Los Angeles. Oh, he played with the Kings. Yeah, the Kings. No, I never would have got that. Two seasons, 29 points in 41 games and 21 points in 35 games. In his games. twilight? His last two years yeah, in the NHL. Yeah, last two years in the NHL. And then he did not play in 80-81, but uh, 81-82, he has 18 games as a member of the Fredericton Express. Now, would it possibly he be an assistant coach and then throw the blades on? Or? Well, that, that would be possible. That would have been something, wouldn't it? I'm just Googling here. Jacques Demers was the head coach of that team. Wasn't he born in Fredericton? Yes. Yes, okay. I was just double-checking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anyone else on uh, your list? Well, now we're getting to more, you know, non- Maritimers and just oh, people okay. in general who passed in the last year that uh, jumped out at me in regards to and here let's stay on a hockey vein here. Okay, uh, God bless him and I loved him and uh, watched him play. Uh, in, uh, number ten for the Winnipeg Jets, Dale Howarchuk just passed, oh, yeah. and he was just fifty-seven years old. Mm-hmm. We lost Eddie Shack this year. We lost Henri Richard this year. We lost. Um, from a hockey world, uh, member Colby Cave passed away. Edmonton at, at Oilers, twenty-five on. years old. Yeah, uh, Pat Stapleton passed away. Uh, story about Pat Stapleton. The reason I wrote Pat Stapleton down was to tell a story. And you, you joke with me and make fun of me about how much I know about the '72 series. And Pat Stapleton was a big part of the '72 series. That's why I wrote his name down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whitey Stapleton, they called him. Him and Bill White on the blue line, who were. Uh, prominent defensemen for the Chicago Blackhawks were a big part of the 72 series. That's why I wrote that down. And you always tease me that I know everybody on that team, and which I do. Well, we should go down that rabbit hole someday just to refresh folks because it's encyclopedic. Well, the whole series, is it's so, it was such an important, you know, they called it the Summit Series, but you lose that series, you know, Canada has to recover from losing to the Russians. That's a whole different mindset. On the latest edition of uh, Spit and Chicklets, which I'm sure you listen to, mm-hmm. Jerry D., the com- comedian, is on there. I love him. And he was in the CBC show that they did on the 72 Summit Series. He played, I think it was Cashman. Was there a Cashman? Wayne Cashman, yes. Okay, I think Jerry D. played Wayne Cashman. Don't quote me on that, but he was in the movie. But anyways... Oh, was he? Yeah. Which was filmed... I believe in Fredericton. Yes. At the Aiken Center. Absolutely. So he made a reference, and maybe I misheard it, Jerry, but he made a reference to being invited to a reunion of uh, the 72 team, mm-hmm. and Bobby Clark and Ken Dryden have nothing to do with the 72 hmm. team as time has gone on, and do you know anything about that, or... Uh, no. No. Of course, Clark was prominent in whacking the ankle of Karlamov mm-hmm. that put him on the limp. That was a big part of the series. Put him on the limp. Yeah, yes. Absolutely did. Uh, I don't know if it knocked him out or, um, I mean, knocked him out of the series or just he was used less. And of course, Dryden was the number one goalie at times, was pulled. But, uh, and if you go back and look at the statistics for him, both him and Trechak. I mean, we're talking about 3.5 and a save percentage probably under 900. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of goals scored. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't, uh, you know, it was always talked about how, you know, uh, Trechak is a Hall of Famer and all that sort of thing and, and won many world championships when the Russians were a machine and nobody could stop them. They were professionals playing amateurs, really, during that long stretch that they won Olympic gold and world championships. Um, 
You know, look at his, his statistics in that Summit Series. They're not that great. Uh, insert eye roll here, and uh, don't come across the table at me here. Um, you know, Dale Howard, Chuck, uh, let's go back to him. Oh. Um, I'm not so sure, actually I'm 100% sure, that I knew how good of a hockey player he was until I went down the Dale Howard, Chuck rabbit hole. Well, After he passed, Gretzky now, and the, and now the listen to Oilers me. Now, were flying. I'm around. an Oilers guy, and there was many great games and series between Edmonton and Winnipeg. Uh, but that's younger, Patty. But uh, the great Howard Chuck coming out party for me was that Canada Cup in '87. Mm-hmm. That's where I kind of like, it was for okay. him too. Yes, but prior to that, I mean, prior to '87, we had seasons of 103 points, 130 points, 105 points. Another rookie of the year. 103 points in his rookie season. Yes. Ridiculous numbers. Dale Howardchuk, 1,188 career games, 1,409 points. Now, 1981-82, he makes his debut in the NHL. Are you still a Winnipeg boy at this point in time? Yes, absolutely. So you've seen Howardchuk? Yes, I've seen him in person for sure. And? Oh, loved to, you know, he was the, he was the savior. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was the first first pick and, and uh, came in and just, I mean, as a rookie, getting 103 points in the NHL, come on. I mean, not everybody does that. Can I put 1981-82 Winnipeg Jerry on the spot? <laughs> yeah, okay. So Howard Chuck has 103 points in his uh, first year. Could you name the uh, next two in line in points that season? Well, he became part of a, a, a dynamite line that included um, a Maritimer, I'm trying to think of his first name. Paul yeah. McLean. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Joey Mullen. No, not Joey Mullen. Brian Mullen, which is Joey Mullen's younger brother. Mm-hmm. American. Mm-hmm. And Joey Mullen, I think to this day, holds the record for most points by an American in the NHL. I could be wrong on that. Anyways, Joey Mullen, great hockey player. I would say Madonna would be that guy. Okay, it could be. Like I, I say, I'm guessing. I, could I don't be know. Wrong, yeah. You know. Uh, so you're asking me who the next two in scoring were well, in his it, rookie year? See, it just struck me as odd because as I'm looking at it, they, they list Howard Chuck as a centerman, and the next two in line are left and right wing. So I thought, well, maybe this is a complete line. Are you so ready? Is, is it is McLean there then? Uh, McLean is uh, 61 points that year. He's down a little bit. Yeah, I don't think he's on that line. So let me think about it for a second up front. Because I love I love how you dig into your head here. This is fascinating. <laughs> They were 33, 33, and 14 that particular year. Tom yeah. Watt was your head coach. Tom Watt was the head coach. Mm-hmm. Dale Howard, Chuck. Um, I'm going to say. Watch this, folks. Here he goes. One a Canadian, one American, if that may uh, jostle your mind. Dave Christian. Is Dave Christian there? Yes. Okay. He's the American. Yeah. Yes. War Road, Minnesota, which is you like know, his family made the Christian stick. You ever had a Christian stick? You ever heard of the Christian Absolutely, stick? Absolutely, yes. Yes, it was prominent out west, but I didn't know if it was made it this far east. But the <laughs> his family was uh, was the uh, manufacturer of the Christian stick. I did not know that. So is he third or second in scoring? Uh, third. Okay, so the second in scoring that year. Uh, has he played for any other team? Oh, my. Oh, just by looking at him. Can you tell if he's played for another well, I'm team? I'm going to click on his name. Because the name that jumps out for me. Hang on. He's played for Winnipeg, uh, finished with a pair of seasons in Boston, and then two in Los Angeles. Hmm. 228 games in the WHA, 582 games in the NHL. Okay, so he played in the WHA with the Jets. With the Jets? Yep. 
had 99 points the year before. I love this. See, this is what happened. The Jets lost so many great players when they joined the NHL. Born June 1st, 1956 <laughs> in Spears, Saskatchewan. Oh, Morris Lukowicz. Yeah. <laughs> I should have had that. Wow. I should have got that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a prairie name, Luke, which is a prairie name. <laughs> but once you told me American, that was Dave Christian scored. I remember I was there that night. His first shift scored his first goal on his first shift. Well, he's from War Road, Minnesota. Now, a little stupid connection. I remember uh, hooking up with Hoppy Dunn in 1998 at the Allen Cup in Truro, uh, which is emblematic of Canadian senior hockey supremacy. And mm-hmm. there was a team from War Road, Minnesota. In the '98, the Allen, Lakers. The okay. Yes, you're you're well aware of this. Well, and that's where and that's where really the uh, L.A. Lakers got their name because they were the Minneapolis Lakers before they moved to L.A. That's why they kept the name Lakers. Because in the pro, in the state of Minnesota, it's the state of a hundred thousand lakes. <laughs> that's why they're called the Lakers. Did you know that? No, you did not know that. One hundred percent. Okay, I did not know that. Same with Manitoba's known for all their lakes. So the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team traces its roots to. Minnesota, yes. Wow. And then moved to L.A. and kept the name Lakers. First Did one. you ever wonder where the name, what the Lakers meant, what it meant? No. No, it was just part of terminology. It's I, the L.A. I just, Lakers. I, I don't think of too many lakes in downtown Los Angeles. Right. I suppose I should have given that more thought than I ever did. Well, I apologize. I you might know that. Maybe I educated somebody tonight. And, and credit where credit is due, uh, Holland Morris Lugowicz out of the air is fascinating. <laughs> well, you gave me a clue, which Saskatchewan helped me, and I did not remember that he ever played for Boston, but uh, thank you on that. Just another little quick one. Um, goalies that year, could you uh, venture those? 81-82, your first year in the NHL. Mm, I don't think it was Pokey and the Bandit then. Oh, no, you're way early yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's later on. I'm going to say like a uh, Doug Sotart. <laughs> that's one of them. Oh, he pl- played, thir- played 39 of the games. Oh, stop it. So he must have been number two because the other guy played 45 games. Oh, jumpins. I don't know. I'm going to say he went twenty. Not- he went 20-19-6 and six with a 395 goals against average and a Point eight seven seven save. Ryan Penny, I don't know. Uh, not uh, Bob Asenza wasn't there then. No, you're no. you're too early. Yeah, I'm too early. Well, I I came up with Sotart. Give me a break. I'm gonna embarrass myself here. Ed Staniowski. Staniowski. Yeah. Yeah, I would never got that. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because I don't know if he ever played for any other team. That's he for sure. Doug Sotart out of the air. <laughs> don't be knocking Ed. Ed played for Hartford and w- St. Louis. In the NHL? In the NHL. Okay. Yeah. First one for me as we uh, talk about- Yes, uh, please. Uh, music fan that I am, you know that? Yes. Rush fan that I am? Yes. Neil Peart. Yes. That was a, that was a tough one, and there are there are many folks- 68 the, years old. And the great debate rages on, you know, who's the best drummer of all time? Uh. Is it John Bonham? Is it Neil Peart? Uh, to me, it's a- uh, a foolish argument. They're both tremendous. They're both different styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, there's no great comparison, but Peart's one of the great drummers. And most diehard Rush fans, and here's where you and I might draw a line in the sand, would shoot me for saying this. Um, Again, it's just time and era. My favorite Rush album, which is a topic of conversation with diehard Rush fans, is, uh, I'm going to guess 1989, 90. Uh, is Presto. 
And again, it's just when you grew up. I remember clearly buying that record of the old uh, A&A records over at uh, Northumberland Square. Now, I know you're going to blow my mind and tell me you've probably seen Rush six times at the Winnipeg Arena when you were growing up. No, no, just once. But um, well, I would have liked to have seen them in my adult life yeah. rather than my yeah, kid life. Absolutely, but paint a picture. The, Give me that show. A little bit, a little bit more. Uh, pretty straightforward. It was... Um, um, there was always a, a little bit of a, a Canadian band in town. You know, they weren't as uh, world-renowned when I saw them as they ended up to be. And so it was like, you know, Trooper coming to town at the time. Right. You know, it was Rush. And maybe it was one or two albums in. Maybe. Um, and so it wasn't so a... So this is 70s, Jerry? Yes. Oh, my. So it wasn't as... as uh, Would this be Winnipeg Arena or a smaller venue? Uh, fly By Night was their big, you know, Fly By Night. Uh, thank you. Okay, you do yes. know it. That was the, whatever album that was, was it called, the album called Fly By Night? Mm-hmm. It was. <laughs> See, I don't, again, this is something that you do very well. Mm-hmm. Your memory in regards to the titles of albums mm-hmm. and the uh, titles of, of uh, tours mm-hmm. is uncanny. So you, you laugh at me about what I know about the Winnipeg Jets. What you know about uh, and, uh, me mem- remembering names, mm-hmm. um, you are... Uh, blow my mind with your your memory on what tours were called and what right. albums have no. certain songs on them. We all have our skills. <laughs> Fly by Night came out in '75. Now listen, there. So is this Winnipeg Arena Rush or is this smaller? No, venue Winnipeg right? Arena. Open and Winnipeg Arena was ten thousand seats, and then when you put a big stage in it, it was eight thousand. And opener? Oh, I don't, Patty. Come on, it's 1975. <laughs> and what am I remembering then? You know. Uh, see, the interesting thing is you reference a live show, and I mean, Rush is, I mean, the albums live on, and they're all, well, they're not all great. Uh, there are great records, there are good records, and there's a few clunkers, um, which is a topic of uh, conversation with all bands. But uh, the interesting thing uh, as we discuss Rush when you think of Rush, you think of the live show. Mm-hmm. And so much so, and they're right up there with Iron Maiden in this regard, they had 11 live records, which is indicative of how popular Holy, they were. Holy, I did not know that. That they could record and, wow. and, and, and sell those records. Yes, they were they were a machine, that's and, for sure. And when I shoot Presto at you for an album, does that ring a bell no. with you? No. Show, don't tell, the no. past? No. Really? No. So you're 70s, 80s Rush. Yeah, well, I, I just don't... No, which songs were on which albums? That's my problem. It's Fly By Night a record. I'm going to give you a pass on that one. <laughs> I remember listening to it in the in the garage of a friend and enjoying, you know, what we would have called uh, guy rock then. I well, guess. you know, it's interesting. You would say that as you listen to uh, records in a garage that is lost on uh, kids now. Uh, mm. Your daughter, my son, that because everything's at your fingertips now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you where I was. I, I know exactly where I was the first time I heard Metallica's Black Album or the Metallica album. Call it what you want. Uh, I was in the parking lot of the place's uh, Quick Way or Quick Mart. Nathan <laughs> Dewar on had a two door red Chevy Blazer, and he starts playing this album. I'm like, holy shit! Take me over to Northumberland Square right now. I remember uh, hearing Use Your Illusion for the first time, and I went halvesies with a friend. Use Your Illusion was a double record. Well, it wasn't a double record. It was two individual records, one blue, one orange. And back in the days, when you, you remember these days when you dubbed copies, 
Uh, I yeah, bought yeah. I bought the orange one. The my friend bought the blue one, and we dubbed each other's uh, copies off. Uh, all right, so back to where we were. Can I just run through my list real quickly, and you can yes. peek in here, whatever you want. Kobe Bryant, of course, registers. Well, he was the first tragedy of the year, really. It was January, wasn't it? Was that January? I'm pretty yeah. sure it was. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other ones there, just in preparation for this conversation that I went across. Uh, Kirk Douglas, mm-hmm. um, Kenny Rogers, mm-hmm. uh, James uh, Lipton <laughs> from Inside the Actor's Studio. Well, yes, we both. It, we, there's an attachment there because of the way Will Ferrell Will, does them. Yeah, absolutely. But if you've ever watched the show, it is, <laughs> he is a character. I know. It is bang on. Yes. Uh, Bill Withers. Uh, a tough one for me here because such a huge fan and many Miramichi guys and gals are uh, John Prine. Um, his I pa- missed that one. I didn't see that one anywhere. Yeah, John Prine died this year. Yeah, his passing just uh, unreal. As a matter of fact, here uh, remember when the Masters when they opened the Masters uh, this year on TV when the the cameras going up that iconic. Yeah, you know, they were playing uh, a song from John Prine's last oh, record. Um, Jerry Stiller. Uh, I'll let you uh, wax on about that one momentarily. Chadwick uh, Boseman, of course. Um, Eddie Van Halen. Are you going to reference Chadwick Boseman? Yeah, well, no, do everybody knows him. Well, Black Panther by and large. Yeah, we watched. Remember that time we watched Twenty One Bridges? Right, Twenty One yes. Bridges. And uh, for sports fans, uh, played Jackie Robinson in Forty Two. Right, very good. Um, Eddie Van Halen, come on. You have well, Van- is that all you're going to say about Eddie Van Halen? No, no, no we're going to keep. I'm just, I'm just. We're going to circle back here. Sean Connery comes to mind. Yes. Trebek, we touched on last time around. Howie Meeker, we touched. Around. Regis Philbin. Oh, I forgot about Reed. Yes. Uh, John Turner. July. John Turner, one of the uh, former prime ministers of Canada. Charlie Daniels. Yeah. Circle back to, um, what were we just going to circle back there to? Eddie well, Van Halen. I mean, you have a Van Halen story. You saw Van Halen. That's one of your great stories. Well, in their prime, it was Well, their, listen to this now, fans. I don't know what world tour it was, but. Oh, I, I bet you I'd nail it. But anyways, <laughs> is this not the, the greatest concert of all time you saw? Cause yes. Because you had Newman and I hanging on the end of our seats at the Miramichi Civic Center, go ahead and tell folks this one. So it was, it had to be, I'm going to say probably 1980, 81, maybe. So we're still in the Roth years. Yes. Oh, geez, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Are you one of those guys that Van Halen ended when Roth left? What are you going to think of me if I say yes? Oh, uh, to each his own. I respect. I do respect Sammy Hagar and the music they put out afterwards, but he was the showman to me. He okay. was, he was. All right. He was unique. Okay. Absolutely unique. Anyways, so we're at the concert, and it's a great show. And I remember Eddie Van Halen, who was very uh, nimble and quick and all over the stage. And the stage was huge for them to move around in. He went up one. They had the speakers stacked as a staircase, and he ran all the way up to the top and playing at the very top. And on his way down, didn't he miss one? The very last one? And didn't he just bounce up this off the stage and back up again? And yeah. whatever he does, eh? It's just one of the things that you're remembered from the concert. But uh, but give, give me give me the big tie in here. Am I crazy, or was this not the big the greatest double bill of all time? No. What's the double bill? No. You're thinking of another story. Okay, with well, the ACDC, the ACDC one. Aerosmith. Oh, it was Aerosmith. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. ACDC Aerosmith story. Yes. Who opened for who on that one? Uh, ACDC opened for Aerosmith. So we're talking Bon Scott years. Bon Scott's got uh, Angus yeah. on his shoulders and going through the stands, going down on the floor and taking him through the aisles. And of course, everybody back then was very obedient, just let them go, didn't attack them or nothing. Mm-hmm. And away they went. They probably had their bodyguards too. And and up on the stage, it was a great opening act. We're all fired up, waiting for Aerosmith to come out, and they come out, and you could not make out any of the music because it was so loud and distorted. Yeah. 
and they didn't really care. Halfway through the song, you kind of figured out what it was. Well, that would have been the... But it was old Winnipeg Arena, which, you know, wasn't that a, a, <laughs> an acoustic palace. It was not. <laughs> but that would have been the crazy days from Aerosmith. Oh, and, absolutely. I mean, that's well documented yes. and well recorded. Yes. So yes. there's a lot of moving parts on that yes. one. Yes, absolutely. Um, Jerry Stiller, you're a big Seinfeldian. Well, it was funny. There was a number of um, uh, characters... Uh, from Seinfeld that passed this year. Did you remember Mr. Wilhelm, who was George's boss at the Yankees? Sure. He passed away. Okay. And also Poppy passed away. Oh, Poppy. Poppy (laughs) Poppy was a little sloppy. (laughs) He passed away this year. But, you know, researching him a little bit, he was a big part of Clint Eastwood and the Dirty Harry movies. He was his partner in those movies. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Poppy was. Wow. Yeah. Little, but Jerry Stiller, my gosh. Just a little quick Clint Eastwood aside, Netflix yeah. is kind to me. Um, have you seen The Mule? I just saw Yes. It. I just watched that the other yes. day for the first time. It just hit the, I just think it hit Netflix. Why didn't we go to that in the theater? We, we are no strangers to the Tuesday show. I don't know if we were, if that was the time. Was it? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember it ever being released. You know, when you read the reviews online, and I'm not a, I'm not a big review person. I'm really not. Don't care to each his own. Like, mm-hmm. if someone says the latest record by so-and-so sucks, and I want to buy it, I'm still buying it. And same as a movie. But it, it's widely panned. But when I watched it the other night, I thought it was great. No, I enjoyed it. I like I love Clint Eastwood. Any movie he directs, I'll watch. And if he's in the movie, I'll watch it, too. Well, but he is I don't know how old he is. But he's getting up there. Well, I bet she's over 90. I bet she is, too. Keep going. But on Jerry Stiller, of course, Ben Stiller is his son, and his wife passed away. Um, uh, let me think of her name. She, they were a comedic, comedic team. It was uh, Morin and Stiller. I think her last name was Morin. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, didn't, she passed away not that long ago. But Jerry Stiller wasn't the original George's father. That's right. He wasn't. That's right. And they made that transition. And when they, and of course, I have, <laughs> I have the DVD set that does the inside out on inside stories that happen with some of the episodes. And soon as they put um, Esther, I don't know what her last name is. That's George's mother. Right. And put Jerry together. It was magic. Right. And they said this is going to be awesome. Well. And their and their relationship changed throughout the show, where they hated each other at one point, and near near the end, they were in love with each other. And uh, what a combination those two were together! Much different than Jerry's parents. These two well, really and, had an impact. And he wasn't the original Jerry's father either. No, the, he was not the guy that we recognize as Jerry's right, father. Right. But he was, and he went on to other. Uh, what was he? Um, um, what was the King of Queens? He was on that show after. Right. And, and other shows too, but uh, he was a legend long before Seinfeld came along, and uh, and uh, the way he brought that character to life was I'll never forget it, and and, and sort of you know the, to see him go uh, this year. Um, some of the other ones I had, Patty, uh, from a wrestling perspective, um, Rocky. Rocky Johnson yeah, died, I, I which is too. the original with which is the Rock's father. I know. I just I just noticed I skipped over Rocky Johnson. Yes. I know. Crazy. And Howard Finkel died. Now, do you remember him? The oh, he was the infamous ring announcer. Not infamous, but the fame and his voice was in the eighties. He was the guy that introduced them onto the onto the into the in, in for the fights. You don't remember him, Howard Finkel? I, I, they I, called him the Fink. I do remember him, but I'm not so sure. I remember the name Howard Finkel. Wow! Like I remember the. I mean, of course, 
And on a, a wrestling a, a, vein. Hang on, a student of the broadcaster I was, so I would be familiar with that voice, but I'm not so sure I made that connection. My bad. Animal of the Road Warriors passed away. Really? Yes. You did not know that? No, I did not know that. Okay. Did you know that- He's uh, not dead, but did you notice that Undertaker retired this week? Yes, I did notice that. Oh, man. And another and another uh, uh, gigantic comedy guy, Carl Reiner, died this year, too. Oh, that's right. And Interesting. Carl Reiner was, he- well, way back, of course, it was the Dick Van Dyke show, and then he was the one, him and uh, Mel Brooks put together Blazing Saddles. Have you ever seen Blazing Saddles? Mm-hmm. Am I talking down to you? No, now? not at all. No. I okay. have seen. And that was an iconic movie. That Agreed. kind of changed things a little bit with what, what they did there, and having somebody fart on camera and stuff like that was, was something unheard well, of at the time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one for me, if I may uh, circle back to uh, somewhat local uh, from the uh, arts and music scene. Uh, and I've had the great pleasure of many interviews over the years and so many shows and so many chit-chats. Uh, Laura Smith, and that probably doesn't register with you, but she's a great, great singer and songwriter. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved east from Ontario, set up shop in a lighthouse in Cape Breton, and then went on to live down in the Valley in Hubbards. And uh, had the great pleasure of doing many shows with her in Cape Breton. I remember one fascinating night at the Bedeck Center for the Arts up in Bedeck, Cape Breton. But uh, circling back to home, I'm just staring off into nowhere here. I know I saw her at uh, Sadler's Cafe. I know I saw her at the Rod Miramichi. She was here for a hospice Miramichi fundraiser. Um, uh, but the one I remember that's standing out to me right now was her last time here um, was at the uh, Kin Center on the Thursday evening show of the Miramichi Folk Song Festival. She was kind of the Thursday night headliner. And she had a ridiculous guitar player by the name of George Antoniak, and he, the stuff he could do with a guitar was insane. But the one thing, and I was MC of this show, and I, I had known Laura from over the years, so we were reconnecting and having a chit-chat upstairs in the in the clubhouse, I think the boys at the Kinsman Center call that, uh, before the show. And uh, she said, I want you to do one favor for me here as uh, you introduce me. And I said, sure, anything. You're, you know, it's, it's their moment. I'm just a passenger. And she goes, I, I don't want to be recorded which I thought was odd because nowadays you're never more than a 20, 30, 40 uh, second clip away from, you know, other people discovering you, be it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, call it what you want. Wasn't she on the radio? What? Didn't she have a hit on the radio? Laura? Yeah. I I think Peter Zosky would uh, have made her most famous with her scary, or her stirring edition, not scary, her stirring uh, rendition of My Bonnie. That was her kind oh, of... Oh, that is it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Exactly. So I said, really, Laura? Like, you don't want to be recorded? Because to me, I live in this world of quick sound bites, and maybe someone will discover you. But uh, she looked at me, and she put her hand on mine, and she said, no. I don't, want, I, don't want the, I don't want the folks or the fans to remember the show through their phone. I want them to remember the show mm. in the now as it happens. And I thought, you know what? How much else are you missing when you go to an event or a sports event or a concert or mm-hmm. festival or whatever it is, and you are staring at it through the lens of a camera or the screen of your phone? And uh, it's something I have moved forward with. You know, if you and I are at um, the Bell Center tonight watching a hockey game and it's the Edmonton Oilers, Montreal Canadiens, yes, I'm going to blast off a pile of photos and some video clips mm-hmm. but they're going to put the phone away and take the game in yes and i just remember that and it wasn't about 
it wasn't about folks recording her and she didn't want, you know, illegal footage. It wasn't that. It was just that she wanted them to enjoy the moment for what it was and the intimate evening that would be a show at the Kin Center, which, I don't know, Jerry, 220, 250 people, mm-hmm. you know, tops. And mm-hmm. I just, that's, anyways, that resonates with me as I remember. And uh, Laura was a, she was, I don't want to say a friend, but an acquaintance over the years and uh, loved her music and uh, It Shall Live On. Is there anyone else on your list? I had uh, Lou Brock died at 81 in September. Mm-hmm. And another fellow that, uh, I don't know if you know uh, Gail Sayers. Do you know who Gail Sayers is? Am I talking down to you? Football? Yes. Mm-hmm. Chicago Bears. But I guess what you jumps know me, out. Listen, I, I don't want to out myself here. You know me in football. Everything goes over my head. He was a, um, a part of a, uh, a movie that became famous called Brian's Song. And Brian Piccolo yeah. was his fullback. And Gail Sayers was the running back mm. and outstanding Chicago Bears running back who is uh, known to be one of the best running backs the Bears ever had or even in the National Football League. But Brian Piccolo dies from cancer and they had a movie. It was called Brian's Song. I, I have seen the movie. And James Kahn played Brian Piccolo. Okay. And I can't remember who played Gail Sayers. But a, a, a song or a movie in the 70s, I'm going to say maybe the 80s, yeah. that everybody saw and it was a real it's a tearjerker you don't you don't want it's it's a it's a famous uh famous movie be, be honest with me or does it bother you that i'm not a football uh, person not at all really <laughs> why would it bother me well i just i mean you you love a sunday game oh love football and you love a uh, pro-line ticket and- i love canadian football too as kramer would say oh. <laughs> i'm taping canadian parliament and i'm no i'm uh, i love canadian football <laughs> I miss Canadian football this year. I missed it tremendously. Well, you grew up in the Prairie, so you're a Blue Bombers oh, guy. Missed football, and the Grey Cup would have been last weekend Wow! in Regina. Ah, oh, very good. See, I kept track of that, too, because then they replayed the last team to win the Grey Cup. Do you know who it was? Um, last team to win their Grey Cup, I'm going to go Calgary. Bombers. Was it? So they've had it for the long. They've been able to hold on to it for a long time. Yeah, the way you're pointing at me, I should have known it was going to be. But uh, the Canadian bombers. Football League is much different than the NFL. It's not the money machine that it is down south. And so their season would have started in June, July, and there was no way that was going to happen. They play during the summer, and then the finale is in November, where the NFL starts in September and goes through till February. And so there was no way it could get underway. And it's not a full-time job for a lot of those guys. They have other jobs to go to. They don't get paid big money. There's a huge Canadian content there. And anyways, it was uh, sad not to have the Canadian Football League this year. I uh, will keep an eye on the CFL, obviously. Um, Closest team geographically is Montreal. Um, But I don't think we in the East, and you you have lived uh, on both sides, I don't think we in the East have – the appreciation for the CFL, like folks like yourself who grew up in Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Calgary, have. Yes. It, and, you know, as you come further east, I mean, Montreal is a big, or Quebec in whole, uh, as a whole, is a huge football province. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the Argonauts had oh, their, no, they had some good days, but they don't register as well as they no. once did in Toronto. No. Um, if, if there's a team in Halifax or Moncton over the course of time, are you going to take in a game i don't think that ever happens really i don't think it ever happens you don't think we're going to see it no really? i don't think it'll ever happen but see out west but it, if they did and winnipeg was in Moncton tomorrow night we going down yes okay um 
Or Halifax. But that was the other thing about uh, Western life. Uh, Canadian football was big, and curling I is was, huge. I was just going to say. Is, and I miss curling, and I, I see they have Sportsnet is now showing some older um, uh, Grand Slam events that they show. And I, and look, at, I can watch it and not know who won. I can still enjoy uh, curling. But that is another aspect of our life. Live curling has gone by the wayside, and I don't know whenever ever that will start up again, Lucas, if it will. I have thrown less than 20 curling rocks in my life. But do you like watching it? No one watches as much curling as I do. Really? I watch an inordinate amount of curling. Oh, I find it tremendously I fascinating. Mean, Scotty's Tournament of Hearts and the the Briar, huge. Uh, I'm not a big cash spiel, bond spiel guy. Mm-hmm. I will watch it for lack of better, but when it's Tournament of Hearts and Briar Week, mm-hmm. I'm all in. Another great Canadian sport that hasn't been able to get off the ground in 2020 and another casualty, I guess you could say, of 2020. Uh, two sports right there. Listen, uh, here's a foolish curling story for you. Mm-hmm. Doty, uh, help me out. Uh, Dickus. Yeah, right. Okay, very good. So a couple years ago, uh, it's a Friday morning draw. The Miramichi Curling Club is hosting the New Brunswick Tankard. What year is this? Oh, within the last five years. Oh, okay. For yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, we're talking all your typical Lecoq, uh, Sullivan, uh, Grattan. Sure. Um, Ottershaw or Ottershaw, however you say, mm-hmm. and that became a topic of thing because there was people calling Rogers when I was uh, doing the game. Um, Ottershaw, isn't it? W- well, I, is it Ottershaw? I don't know. I, I said it wrong, and someone took great exception oh, okay. and called in, and I got handed a note. But anyways, okay. uh, and I'm saying Rogers, I'm wrong. It was Bella Lyon there on that right. Community One channel? Somebody sent a note in for that now yeah. too. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, listen to this. So uh, I, you know, again, I just willingly admitted that I have thrown less than. 20 rocks in my mm-hmm. life so no great strategist am i no great curling athlete am i um but uh I, you know of course a local committee would appeal would grab me because the appeal for me is that i'm a broadcaster so i can handle this so i said sure i'll go up so i'm doing a game and i know the i know the finer points I, again not a player but i've watched enough that i can mm-hmm. carry this mm-hmm. and then again if you have someone good on your wing you know what that's like. You just pause for you thought, have to, and, and, yes. they, and they start filling in the holes. Mm-hmm. Much like, like I mean, who's any better at it than Vic Router? But he always defaults to, you know, Russ Howard or whoever's. Yeah, and he knows curling, but he lets the experts say what they. But he he does pose some good questions right. to those guys. So yeah. so Doty is someone I would be well familiar with, but yes. you know, uh, we're d- different generations with all due respect. And I don't know as much as I likely should have known about Doty. And we take a commercial break or a pause, and I, I realized I was hitting a wall there. And I said, Doty, when, when I hit that wall and I, I just stop, jump right in. And he said, uh, well, maybe I can talk uh, stories about uh, the briar. And I said, well, this is the tanker. The, the, and I, here I am thinking, Doty knows nothing about curling. And he says, no, I was there in 83. And I just remember sitting in the booth going, what? And he goes, yeah, I was there on the Stevie Adams rink. And I thought, holy shit. He was the fifth, wasn't he? I said, holy shit. Now we're off to the races here. Mm -hmm. And and it's funny that I didn't know that. Stupid that I didn't know that. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that. But it's a little bit. I've forgotten about that. It's a little bit before my time, but they were there. Yeah. And I said, Dodie, hit me with those. I mean, come on. So, and then some of the finer points where I would kind of go like point, like, what's going on here? Dodie would just jump in and get into the minds of the. I remember having Steve and, Steve and them in before they left on their trip. This is now when 
Jerry's sports director at CFAN, mm-hmm. had them in before they left on their trip and then called them every night after their day of activity mm-hmm. and recorded a piece for the sports the next day, you know, like a clip. I, I just can't imagine, like, yeah. because you know how crazy it would be if a team from here ends up at the Briar yeah. or the Tournament of Hearts. It was incredible. Oh, I just can't imagine the time. Really I mean, was. I, was, I was around, but uh, a little too young to appreciate it. But uh, if that happened now, like, Miramichi is pausing. Yes. Time is standing still it, Yeah, as we watch that. Yeah, but, but that's he, a you know, big part of uh, Canadian life that uh, we haven't been able to enjoy. Now, maybe we will in the start of the year. Who knows? Sorry, are you a good – oh, God, I'm going <laughs> to regret asking this. Are you a great thrower of uh, the rock? I've played – I've curled quite a few years, and uh, yes, I do understand the game. Like I, local leagues here? Not here. Always out west. The, if you if you part of – Are we back to the old brooms? If you – uh, yes. Uh, no, I had a slide. The, the it, but it was the it was the it had a brush on the end, but it was a it was a push, but not a slapper. <laughs> it's, but it had it still had um, uh, hair. It wasn't still it hadn't become synthetic yet. <laughs> Anyways, if if you didn't be if you weren't part of a a, a curling a league, be it mixed or otherwise, in the prairies in the winter, you weren't. Living. Blow my mind. Your home club was what? Uh, well, it was the Transcona, but we <laughs> played at the Granite a lot. The Granite was this prestigious one. Oh, so the, when it was Granite night, you... Uh, uh, yeah. You the would... Granite was the snooty one. <laughs> <laughs> so we rolled in there drinking our double rums and <laughs> playing. Anyways, it was a lot of fun. And, and we had a couple of, of uh, teams from work, and that was always... You got a lot of camaraderie with that and enjoyed uh, the people you worked with even more when you got out on their curling sheet. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It really was. Absolutely. It's a great social event, just like golf is i compare the both of them well look at i didn't i mean you always hear of the uh, the briar patch mm-hmm. and, and the goings on at tournament of hearts or briar or all these bond spiels yeah i didn't realize until you see it and i'm going back to the travelers that the miramichi curling club hosted a couple of years ago until you see it in action you really don't understand it you hear about it or unless you're there um but it, it massive social aspect mm-hmm. to the game of yes. curling and it's really pronounced in those tournaments when by say friday night jerry green rink is zero and four you know what i mean you're playing out the string and uh, the party's on let's call yeah. it what it is and, and all those curlers go to the briar patch oh and yeah and it's, they're, they're, it's even, a thing you, even though they're celebrity-ish mm-hmm. they're, they're just regular people that yep. are just gonna go in and have a drink themselves and, and meet up with fans and so on and so forth and it's a great sport that uh, you know. Uh, you know, nobody's too big for it. I have never been to Fenway. I know people would want to kick me in the nuts for saying How that. How did that come up? Well, I'm just saying my oh. three things I want to do. Okay. I've, ne- I've never seen my Oilers Ugh. in person. In person? No. You haven't seen them in Montreal. Haven't gone anywhere to see them. No. Oh my god. I want to see. I'm going to help you with this. I want to see a baseball game at Fenway. I'll help you with that. And I want to go to both the Briar and the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. I mean, these are all attainable. They are attainable. Yeah, and they're all the achi- first two are more attainable. Well, I mean, you got to figure the Briar and the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts are going to roll through here in, in the next handful of years. They have, yeah. yes, especially much. the uh, Scotties. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in Cape Breton, uh, just yeah, not that the, long maybe ago, the last time, yeah. Um, but I want to see those. Uh, I mean, well, I, Fenway's a joke. You should have gone to Fenway by now. Oh, I agree. Yes, I one hundred percent agree. And I'd well look at uh, okay. So there's four. 
Have you been in the TD Garden or the or the or the Boston Garden back in Listen, the day? Listen, I'm going to embarrass myself here. Oh, so Fenway God. is one. Oilers in Edmonton is two. Oh, you have to see them in Edmonton. I would love to see them in Edmonton. I'd love to see what them, What if period. they came to Montreal? Oh, okay, but hang on Okay, here. go ahead. Okay, Oilers in general. Okay. Fenway, <laughs> Briar, Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. Yeah. That's one, two, three, four, and I'm a Giants guy. I want to see the Giants um, in San Francisco at some point before. Well, that'd be fun. It's time to go. Yeah. I've seen the Giants at the Olympic Stadium in Montreal. Wonderful trip. Got to see them, but to see them out there. I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know if I could handle seeing the Oilers in Edmonton. I think I'd crack up. I think my mind would get blown. Yes, it would be. Because I've lived 44 years of pure Oilers fandom, mm-hmm. and they live in my mind on late night TV broadcasts, because you never <laughs> see them at 7 o'clock, <laughs> no. and they live on Ched Radio, <laughs> and now, knock on wood and thankful for the technology, they live on, you know, I, I live and die by Oilers podcasts, uh, Bob Stoffer and all the, the great broadcasters. Uh, but I don't know if I can handle it. Uh, what about you? What's on your uh, little no, 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 your no, sports no, bucket no. list? I didn't, no, we didn't say they were going to go okay. down this road. All right, very but good. it was a funny line from Jerry Seinfeld's latest stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told you this story about seeing Seinfeld in mm-hmm. Moncton the last time he was through, and I took my ninety-two-year-old mother, Flora. Yeah. Okay. You and Flora so that, having a little the night same out. the same show he did that night is now. He did his tour, and the last stop was in New York City. Okay, he changed a few things, but the funny line that he has in the show, which is now on Netflix, is said, uh, yeah, bucket list. You know what I think about them? Change the B to an F. That's what I think of that list. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever done a briar? Uh, have I ever done a briar? Yeah. Now, you, yeah, you say you want to go to the to the briar or the tournament of hearts. Well, it's not a one. What are you going to go for one draw? I mean, it, no, it's no, a no, week I, long I, event. Oh no, I'm grabbing. I'm setting up shop at the cheap hotel. Okay, and I'm then. buying the tournament yes. pass. Well, well if, if I if put I, that on a bucket list, if I'm if I'm fortunate to do it, I'm going all in on this. No, yes. I'm not going for the Thursday draw. And you have to do it out west. It, there's, uh, I know you say you'd like to do it if it came this way. Well, it's, it seems more attainable. Well, what it, we, we could do it all in one winter. We could go to, <laughs> go to one of those and see an Oiler game at the same time. I'm in. How many air miles are on your card? <laughs> yeah, but at that time, look at I'm retired and I'll go wherever you want. Because I know this ain't happening tomorrow. <laughs> but the unfortunate news that came out of uh, Edmonton this week, Patty, just to, to wrap up the show because we're getting long again. Very disappointed to hear about the... Um, uh, positive tests at the World Junior uh, Hockey Champion uh, tryouts. Oh, I missed that. And look at and I, I said that. I said this is a bad idea. It's n- it's not going to work like the NHL did. Um, are we talking? I was worried about the teams that are going to come in. Are we talking player or staff? I thought it was. I'm not positive it's staff or if it's a player. Okay, I don't know. I'm hearing this for the first time. Um, I just think they're pushing this agenda all based on money and putting these kids in that position because it's uh i read the article this week about how important the uh, world hockey championships are and the world junior hockey championships are to the coffers of the iihf iihf the international ice hockey federation well okay and that they, that's why this is being pushed and tsn the and, same and, thing and, it's, and, it's about revenue from television money and even more so because it's in canada because that's where right. the, that's where the money is so i just don't agree I, I don't think the world junior registers in any other country other than canada you're and, correct and i mean yeah i mean when you see it across seas it's 
sparsely. But it's the television money. It's not even even the attendance because there's nobody going to be there. Right. It's all about the television money. The broadcast rights. And so TSN wants it, too, because they got nothing they're showing. No, I got nothing going on, too. I'd showing like to, MSL like, soccer all the time. I'd like to watch it. Tennis. Not to knock tennis or soccer, but, you know, that's not what you want to see in the middle of winter. Well, speaking of uh, soccer here, as we talk about uh, events of 2020, on the day we record this, uh, Diego Maradona has passed. Right. 60 years old. I, I thought, you know what? I was shocked when you told me that. I would have thought older. And you remember the the hand from God? Oh, I, I don't. Well, I've I've seen it live on. I wasn't. Okay. I mean, it which was, was he did touch the ball with his hand and scored in the World Cup to win it for Brazil or Argentina. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Yes. But he did touch it with his hand, and they, no one saw it. There was no replay back then, and they had it's called it the hand of God. <laughs> As I look at the counter here, is that how long we've been going here? We've been going a long time. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All I right. Know. Maybe we'll shut it down. Thanks for listening in. Is uh, that what it's that is that what it's about? If we're too long, we got to cut it. Uh, no, we're not going to. But we did cover everything we wanted to cover. Yeah, we yes. covered everything. And, and we look, rambled on some things. We rambled on. So yes. maybe if you can't listen to this in a two-hour segment, uh, <laughs> do so in a couple of 30-minute segments. How do you digest it? Well, some people enjoy whatever, be it traveling with it or around the house doing stuff, have it playing while they're running. Uh, I, I digest it at times in segments, um, you know, just to review it. Yeah. Um, everybody's different. And we're glad that uh, yeah, we're, we're not too long for people, and no one's ever complained we're too long. Mm-hmm. They want to hear more, and so that's what we're trying to do. All right, our, my final shout-out to uh, Troy Way, because it was nice to hear from an old friend. Um, uh, <laughs> He'll like that. Wandering around with He's his- He's a character. Well, wandering around with his iPad, listening uh, to The Run with a cup of tea in hand. And uh, do you remember his uh, claim to fame from the uh, Miramichi Dragway? When he used to do the radio spots, you remember the big cell line? No. I can't do it. In, I'm not even. Gonna, uh, don't I, you dare miss it. I'm not gonna. No, no home no. of the dragon, <laughs> and he would do it. With, I forgot that about Troy. Yeah, he would do it with like gusto. No, and, he has one of those char- uh, personalities and yeah. voice and charisma that uh, he could easily have been a broadcaster. And it was uh, nice to here we are sports coming full circle again. It was nice to reconnect with Troy a year or two ago. Man, the years go by and there's yep. a bit of a blur, but uh, came home uh, when uh, Mary Machi hosted the Special Olympics New Brunswick Winter that Games. Is right. His uh, brother John yes. uh, is a competitor and an athlete in the local uh, Special Olympics uh, circle, so it was... Uh, I didn't even... You know what? I, I, I should have known Gail, his mother. Gail had said that Troy may come home and I, I kind of lost track of him and then one day I, I showed up for breakfast at the uh, Lion Center to feed the athletes and lo and behold who's there slinging mm-hmm. juice at the athletes but him and uh, funny how you can just fall back into old habits again it was like would you agree he could have been a broadcaster I mean the, the, the oh, personality 100% yeah. and and the pipes and the yeah. home the oh, no. I can't even do it yeah. I embarrass myself one ah, let's, we'll save that for another okay. yeah, save some I embarrass save myself some. at the Miramichi Dragway uh, Park uh, one night well, we'll we'll wait to hear that story. Oh, it was a shit show. It's embarrassing as hell. Maybe we'll have embarrassing nights on for one of our segments. I could go for a while. Well, join the club. I've had many. Join the club. Thanks for listening in. Yeah, thanks. Uh, give us a review. Give us a download. Give us a share. Follow us. All that good stuff. Uh, invite your friends to listen in. Uh, we appreciate it. This has been The Run, episode 20. Thanks again to the folks at Eastside Creative Center. And uh, Creative Grounds, give the gift of coffee this uh, Christmas season and pick up a gift certificate for that hard-to-buy-for guy or gal on your Christmas wish list. Always a gas. Thanks, Penny.